Welcome, everybody, to the Magic Movie Podcast. Again. Again? We're, we're still going. <laughs> still going with this Harry Potter thing. After all these years. It's true. Chris, I'm uh, so proud of you. You're, 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 we, like, we, <laughs> you're like kind of hitting your stride on this one now. Uh, we stop We stop in the middle of Harry Potter. <laughs> we're guys, we just decided after years, we're taking, we're just, uh, we've hit our limit in Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter and the I, Order I, of the Phoenix. I, I, yeah, not gonna lie, like I would expect that more after Fantastic Beasts two, but like, but like we didn't. We had a very okay discussion about it. I freaked the fuck out. Anyway, I uh, mean, fuck <laughs> out, man. Queenie is a Nazi. Don't bring me back to that place. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun talking about that. I just, I still, I think, again, considering where we're going, uh, it would have been bad to end on those two movies, man. I think starting them out was the way to go. True, probably. <laughs> All right. Stand by that. <laughs> 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 oh, man, that was such a fun <laughs> time. <laughs> All right, and go. Go on what? News for God's sake! Oh, What's okay, wrong okay. with you? Oh, I thought you, I thought you were actually going to transition, but that's okay. Um, ten seconds in, you're wasting time. You did so, 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 Alex? Yes. Daft Punk broke up. <sighs> okay. Um, that is a big hit to me. I love Daft Punk. I mean, it's not these guys are young dudes. They're going to keep making music separately and producing stuff, sure. But as the outfit Daft Punk, it seems like they're done, and it seems like it makes sense. But they, oh sorry, they are they are one of the they are one of if not the most important electronic music group of the last thirty to forty years. They only made four albums. They have made one of the best live albums that's ever been made. And um, what I did this week to honor them was I have a book of 400 greatest cult movies. I've been going through it over like years and I've still just been taking my time with it. And on there is a movie called Interstellar 5555. Five, five. <laughs> it's about uh, a um, group of aliens that are in a band that are kidnapped by some guy and taken to earth and then they are brainwashed and then their music is sold and then they break free and then humanity helps them get back to the planet. But basically it's music videos of their album discovery, their best album discovery. And it's just, it was, it's all anime and it was all done in 2001 and they would put it on tsunami and stuff. I'm sorry. 2003. 2003. Yeah. It was what? Was when it came out. When what came out? Interstellar five 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 five. Cool. So the movie came out a couple of years after the album, is what you're saying? Yes. Cool. I didn't know that. Um, and I watched it. Have never watched it. Um, and it was amazing. It was a great. It, a lot of Harvey Weinstein uh, connections in there. But also, it was just amazing. It was awesome. It was an awesome story just told through the music and the visuals of an album that I loved. Also, their Tron, their Tron soundtrack is amazing. Tron Legacy is say, still so, so their Tron, Tron soundtrack is the only actual soundtrack I of theirs I've heard. But it's the only thing I've ever done. It's so fucking good, though. 
it i actually yeah. i actually love the music from that movie i don't like the movie but like the music from that movie oh damn near mwah, perfect like i like that movie i like its look i like its vibe i like the ch- the chances it's trying to make but most importantly yes that soundtrack it's the only one they've ever done they recently is like, it is like my favorite thing like they mwah. they recently released an extended version of it um, on vinyl and I was, it, yeah, it's great. It's an awesome. I've been listening to it three years. The extra pieces are great. It's just more from it's it's just more from the movie. It's awesome. Um, but I, I've been I've every there's bands that when you grow up at a certain age that I don't know what it is nowadays, but for me being a '90s kid, there's certain bands that you run into that you just have a phase through. Bob Dylan, Beatles, and Daft Punk was one of them. Radiohead's one of them. They're the most popular bands in the world. You have to spend your time with them. You can't avoid how popular it is because it is that good. But they never made a bad song. <laughs> they were amazing. Yeah. And Interstellar 5555 was uh, a movie that once I was done with it, I went to my cult book. And then I decided I wanted to watch more movies from that book. And I had a fucking week, gentlemen. So thank you. Goodbye to Daft Punk for giving me a reason to go back to film. And it was excellent. Yeah. So you know, I, was, I love those guys. I, I like my again, like I said, my experience with them is much more minor. Again, a lot of it came from Tron Legacy. Uh, that was kind of my first major experience with them. But I had, um, I had like known about them and I knew that they were good and I probably have heard their stuff on and off without thinking about it. But like, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. Certainly love their work on that. Um, Oh, I do know our song. One more time. I forgot about that. No, seriously, Zach. Next time you get a chance when you're just working or whenever you want, put on Interstellar 5555. Just, it's, yeah. it's simple. It's great anime. It's a yeah. great little anime story, but also the album kicks. I, I've seen the image associated with it, with like them, with their cameo from it. And and I, I feel like I've seen that somewhere before. So I might have seen it and not just, realized I saw it. Sure, that's fine. That's fine. But like all I'm saying is watch it. Like just watch it. it. Beginning to end. It's a great thing recently. It's a good it's just a good album. It's just a great thing to go through. Like yeah. not even just the visuals, just Interstellar is a great visual album. And other people would do it well. My favorite band ever, Animal Collective, who would also show up on a Daft Punk album. They only made four, and Animal Collective shows up on one of them. And they they made a visual album. Uh, Beyonce makes visual albums now. Like it's a thing, and they were one of the groups that kind of like nailed it. Chris, Perfect. have you ever heard anything or done any or associated with Daft Punk? Hello, Chris, wake up. Is he gone? I, I What's that for? <laughs> Oh, wow. anyway. I don't know if we're recording anymore. Uh, no, we're still recording as far as I'm aware. All right, let's move uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm going to do some laundry then. <laughs> Zach, could you just text me when Chris is back? Yeah, I'll, I'll text you when Chris is back. <laughs> okay. Oh, is that you laughing your fucking ass off, Chris? What's up? <laughs> the ceiling? You didn't wake up, so... Dude, let me put it this way, Chris. Yes, it is. Anno- it does seem annoying when people ask you questions about music when it's very clear that you don't know anything about music. Not but just get- music. Not just music. Well, what? that's okay, Chris, but, like, I'm asking, what? have you seen, like, Tron Legacy? That's Not the best. Just, no, yeah, exactly. Um, have you seen Tron- pieces here and there. Okay, 
So, okay. so you're so you're at least aware of of the music that Daft Punk's made. That that's that's what I care no, about. No, no, no. I would even say no. I would say that you only look. You're only talking in the scheme of the one thing that you know. Again, these guys have made. These guys have made, I guarantee you, Chris, at least four songs that you know and you don't even know that you know them. Yeah. That's how good this band was on one album. It's called Discovery, and I guarantee you it's filled with songs you know and you don't even know it because you've heard him everywhere. Yeah. They're 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 European. They are the one of the most popular bands ever. And they only made a hit like four albums. So, yes, there are songs that you know from them and you don't know that it's them. That's how popular they are. And that's the only thing. Like, I don't have them for you. I wasn't going to play them for you. But I, that's my thing that I was going to tell you is that, like, you, unless you've seen Tron Legacy, you wouldn't be able to have a full, uh, like, a finger to put on the pulse. But they, they produced Kanye songs. Kanye has taken huge sections of their songs and made them part of songs that you know just because he's Kanye. Like, they're around and you don't even know it. That's how... Yeah. popular these guys were they, uh, but in terms of the dance community yes they were amazing skrillex takes shit from them uh, all the time and he's a what well i i mean anyone who is electronic anyone who's electronics ever any yeah. electronic music artist after 1993 took like the moment their first album came out it was um they were on mtv it was a huge thing you're like it was a massive thing. It was just a it was just a, a length of singles that they kept putting out, and the album is just a collection of those singles. But everyone was like, "I want this collection of singles" because they spent a whole year rolling them out. Everyone liked Skrillex. Was like, "These guys are fucking fun." They made great yeah. videos for MTV. They gave people like Spike Jones chances. Like, yeah, they are they are forward thinkers of the music concept. Um, no, just electronics music, electronic dance music in general. They are the most important electronic dance music group of all fucking time. They're the Beatles of electronic dance music, and they just split up. And it's a big deal. But yeah. I'm not saying you should know them, Chris. Most people don't know who they are, but I guarantee you they know their songs and they don't even know it. They're not an American group, really. They're a French group. They're way bigger in Europe, but they are uh, one of the most important bands of all time. Let, let's let's leave it on that. Let's let's move on. We got we got other stuff we can talk about. Daft, Daft Punk, you'll be missed. Tron Legacy, people check it out. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to something I think Chris will like a lot. A little bit. Brian Martino's and Michael. I forgot his last name. Um, oh yeah. Turned to Nickelodeon and they are forming Avatar: The Last Airbender Studios which will be a conglomerate to make all sorts of content associated with that universe, including a brand new movie and TV series. We don't know when it's set, but they said they'll do stuff before and they'll do stuff after Korra. So. That's incredibly important. That's someone saying, look, we're just, and they have the money to do it. Not everyone can do this, but that is what everyone should be trying to do is make their own stuff and not rely on a studio, but they have a massive fan base to do it. I'm glad they are. So they're, they, uh, they uh that apparently from what has gone on record that's the reason why they left netflix is netflix didn't want to do it so they said fine we'll make our own studio and do it our way and yeah that's uh apparently what's going on with that so they're they're going to be doing more stuff we're going to see more avatar stuff from the years to come i'm excited they're getting an animated movie for sure and they're getting an animated tv Show for first for sure. We're not sure if it's gonna be live act. They're gonna do anything live action yet. Mm. Yeah. So 
Neil Blomberg was on Twitter the other day and said something really cool. District he has, oh, wait, wrong, wrong Neil. He has <laughs> to play an and for District Nine sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's ready I'm to sure be. He always had it. Uh, well, no. Apparently, he just finished it like last week. And was tweeting. <laughs> yeah, a- he hasn't made anything since Chappie, right? Yep. He, he yeah, he is not no. <laughs> so that probably makes sense. Um. So yeah. So let's go. Into I'm excited. Disney. Let's talk about Disney for a little bit. Oh, the new shall we? trailer came out. Luca. That looks cool. <laughs> I did not see this. I meant to. It looks cool. It looks like it's. Kind of a Little Mermaid story about a uh, Brazilian boy who is a mer person of some sort. Him and his friend come on to gr- uh, on to land, and they kind of just have an experience. It, it looks like it's a fun uh, summer vacation movie, that which is really cool. Um, it looks like it's purporting um, a healthy relationship. I'm I'm for it. Yeah, it looks really cool. The cast is is nice. Uh, I like the art style they're doing with it. It's it's very interesting. Um, I'm I'm excited. It it it's gonna be an interesting thing. I think um, it's directed by. Um, I'm trying to see what other movies he's done so, because I, oh he it's um he's the guy he was an art department. Uh, oh wait, here's his directing. Uh, yeah, so he predominantly worked in the art department for uh, the story artist. For Up, Piper, and Coco, and uh, it looks like Ratatouille and Ice Age. So he was a fox transplant mm. who has come over to Disney, and he's done a lot of work. And Luca's going to be his first uh, major film, which is cool. I'm excited. It looks really cool. I guys, very. I think these guys are mer people. Yeah, I think they're mer people. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, guys, guys, I think these guys are bird people. I think they're fish people. Um, yeah. Uh, so Luca, let's move to Luca. Dang, that's soon. Yeah. So let's move to Marvel Land for a little bit. Loki got a release date. It's it's four days after my birthday. Marvel will have one new thing every week of this year. It's true. Uh, so Loki yeah. is coming out June eleventh. 2021. So that's cool. Uh, well, I mean, they also were supposed to have material last year. Yeah. Uh, and we all did. stuff that was supposed to come out a year ago that they're just sitting on. Yep. Uh, well, Loki was always supposed to come out this year, but uh, I'm assuming it was supposed to come out earlier this year, but that's okay. Uh, so let's talk about the big Marvel news, shall we, boys? Spider-Man! Um, Blade will be PG-13. What? Ugh. Yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home. We already talked about that, didn't we? This Christmas 2021. Oh no, we didn't. We did it in the chat. In Sorry. in theaters only. That's that's hopeful, but I don't see it happening. Well, no one cares about Tom Holland anyway, so. Wow. What is wrong with you today, Chris? Who crawled up your butt and died? Uh Alex. Chris is kind of making Chris is kind of making a good point. For the fact that Tom Holland has two movies out right now that no one gives a shit about, and that people are ragging the fuck on. What movies are Cherry, that? Cherry and the one he has with Daisy Ridley that's been sitting on the shelf forever that they only put out in theaters. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's, he's releasing on Friday. Right 
Yeah, he's not having a good time these days. But Chris, I'm putting you in a bad mood. What did I do? You called that my button died. Oh, I like your butt, though. Dude, if I, I don't know what it is with you trying like... to get me and Peter, but we don't swing that way. Neither of us well, do. Peter, Peter's a complete and, and sh- like straightforward homosexual thing. You have a great butt for shelter in which I want to live the rest of my life in and like like a hobbit hole, you know, maybe stick my head out if it's like whatever, but I'm assuming it's all winter. And so just, are you okay, saying that my so so are you saying that my butt is nine to five and Peter is the weekend? Yes. Yes, or I'm a tapeworm, whatever way. My <laughs> <laughs> rat name. Tapeworm. Tapeworm. Because oh, I'm bald and fleshy. Um. <laughs> guys, 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 guys. Um so <laughs> that, will, that will catch on again. Up. Love that you guys are having your joke time here, but, but fifteen but, minutes left. You have time. Yeah, but, you, but let me tell you something, Chris. So we're gonna spend that whole fifteen minutes talking about what's gonna talk what we're gonna talk about next. So Going globes? Dude, we're not gonna take as long as you think, but I do think it's gonna be interesting. Go on. But anywho, um not to get thing I think that we'll be at the point as a country where things will be able to reopen. Safely. I just I don't but like talking about certainty because it's depressing. Don't by, want... by Christmas, no, I don't think it's going to be safe to release a movie only in that big, only in theaters. Spider Man three only in theaters by next Christmas. Sorry, I don't think that's this a smart Christmas. idea. Next Christmas, this Christmas. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Next Christmas, it's the upcoming Christmas. Yeah, I, I don't, think... I don't think it's a smart idea. Well, well, I guess we'll see. Um, so let's talk about. The Zack Snyder article that came out this week, or uh, or an interview, or whatever it was. Did you read it? I definitely, of course, I read it, Alex. I sent it to you. No, I sent it to you. Well, yeah, and then I sent you a second one. So that was the same article. Yeah, I sent it to you. Yeah, you sent it to me originally. I didn't read it, and then I saw it later, and then sent it back to you. And you're like, I just sent this to you. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so we did this yeah, exact same thing a week ago. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, the the point of the fact is, yes, I read it. <laughs> um, I actually think it's a pretty empathetic interview, Chris. Um, it really takes a, it really looks at what Zack Snyder went through as a parent who has lost his child. It's undoubtable, and like, it it it's really the person at no point says anything about the art of Zack Snyder or his opinion of it. He's specifically just talking about what happened. And as an interview subject to an interviewee, what happened from his perspective and he can only speak from his side, but yeah, in turn from that Warner brothers has apologized for some of the things that they did that Zack Snyder revealed from that interview. And uh, Zach and I were talking about this and I was like, this is all part of the deal. They're just the, – the, when this interview came out, what Warner Brothers is willing to apologize to, what they're willing to say, this is all part of it to make a good image look uh, – to, like, clean the image of Warner Brothers who hired Josh Whedon and, and, like, totally took a shit on Zack Snyder. Again, I don't like Zack Snyder's work. I may not even like him as a person. I certainly don't agree with a lot of his opinions, but he legitimately had a daughter who dealt with depression, and that's not a joke. That's, like, a thing that she went through. And she just couldn't fight it anymore. And it's very sad, but the family went through it. And he's done actually a lot of work to heal his family from it. And I, I cannot fault him for that as a man who stopped what he was doing and decided to work on his family. 110%. Like, 
that is a legit thing that happened in all of this. And Warner Brothers kind of took advantage of that. And they admitted to it. So that's all pretty fucked up. But it's a really interesting thing to have Zack Snyder come out and tell his side of the story of everything. Um, I don't think it's going to change my opinion of, of the content. I recently just saw um, a guy do um, My Friend Watches Man of Steel. And they were like, even in that, they were like, oh, yeah, this is more. Be-. He's like, this is more beautiful than this is different Marvel. I think I'm going to agree with this. And then by the end, all of them were like, yeah, I just don't agree with it. It felt like it was, it felt like two hours. And I'm like, yeah, Zack Snyder. He's just not a good. Yeah, I can't wait to get into it. But yeah. Man of Steel is not a bad movie, but it is not. A, it, it has structural problems that people over time and even when they watched it were like, yeah, that was meh. And they don't know why, but like that's that we would that would become evident over time. So although I think Justice League will be beautiful, I also think it'll be pretty boring. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's a, um yeah, I mean, there's two real big articles that kind of come out about this overall that I, I, I think. There's the actual Zack Snyder interview, and then there was one that came out about uh, a Warner Brothers exec that basically outwardly said the minute they saw Joss Whedon's cut, they're like, this is a piece of shit, and we fucked up. Um, And that was... And the, the big thing they, like, called out was, like, the robber on the roof and the Russian family. They were just like, why the fuck does this matter? This is all stupid shit. Um, There's a lot of, I get, like, it's yeah. easy to throw Joss Whedon under the bus right now because that's literally what everyone's doing. It's what a lot of survivors are coming out and talking about in terms of working with him. But I, I it's great for Warner Brothers to have an, a villain in all of this, for sure. Yeah. But um, I, I think... You cannot you cannot ignore the fact that they were the ones that were like, yeah, yeah, go take care of your daughter. By the way, Joss, come in here and redo the entire fucking movie. Like they allowed that to happen. Yeah, I and um, the other thing that was really interesting was like they uh, they were uh, like. He obviously we know that he said he has not seen the cut. He didn't really want to see the cut, but that he especially didn't want to have anything to do it after Chris Nolan and his wife had seen it and told him you should not see it because it would hurt you a lot as a person. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that Nolan and his wife, the producing partner and the wife took the time to sit down and watch it for him. He was never going to watch it, but no, no, but I think uh, a lot of that. And then um, I know that they're talking a lot about how, um, at the end of the movie, they're, they're going to put the, it says, for Autumn, which is going to be the last thing you see in the movie. Um, and that uh, half of the money he's getting for doing the Snyder Cut is going to get donated to the National Suicide Prevention. That is awesome. Yeah, he he's really going all out with this, which, you know... I'm so happy for it because, I mean, I, you know, for all the things, a lot of good is coming out of this, even... Even just like him getting to tell his story finally, and Warner Brothers kind of going off and doing whatever and all that. But at the end of the day, you know, the fact of the matter is he's donating money to something, and he gets to say, "I made this movie for my daughter," and that's 
that's a big deal. I mean, it's 50-50 for me right now. I think the story I mean, is both. It's going to be good, though, dude. No, I, no it's not, I'm not talking about the content. I mean, the story. It's like there's a part of me that's like, yeah, a guy got his movie taken away from him because of traumatic events, and he gets to finish his vision now yeah. because fans backed him up, and Warner Brothers looks like idiots right now. And like that's, that's a David and Goliath story to a certain extent that I find interesting. But also there's a part of me that's like the amount of money spent to put this content out, which – Again, I think is important. It's content that people are sitting on that fans are asking for. Why not? Like we people need yeah. to watch stuff. I get it. It's to help people. It's, it was all in the first place was to entertain people, whatever. But the amount of money to actually make this thing could have been spent on better movies. Could have been spent feeding people. Could have been spent on better things. So there's a part yeah. of me that's like, yeah, he's made uh, several chances for this movie for these movies to get better, and he sucks. And Josh Whedon sucks. Let's just stop. I mean, yeah. I get why I get why it's there, and it's going to realign things, and it's going to make the whole Snyder thing vision of it at least be complete. Which it, it's it's nice to see the guy who lost his daughter get to do that, but it's like from the day one, I was like, I didn't want to see this anyway. I didn't want to see this thing play out. I wanted Shazam and Wonder Woman and Aquaman to go further. I don't want Zack Snyder involved, and it looks like he's coming right back. And and he's gonna do his army thing for Netflix, which that trailer came out too, and that looks like a Snyder film. Um, sure, it looks like better than Suicide Squad, to be honest. Um, and uh, like it's got some great people in it, but Tig Notaro's in there. She's got an amazing story of her own. Tig Notaro's one of the most interesting comedians. Like, forget it. She has a documentary of her own. Like, like, there's so many. Like, yeah, forget about it. But um, Hollywood stories are great. I do think so. But there's a part of me that's like. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be great anyway. It's going to be a okay movie, but like everyone's going to be like, meh. Yeah. It's going to be like a beautiful meh, and I'm going to be like, yeah, okay. Like on the on the grand scheme of things, sure. That changed a lot of things. A lot of doors open. Like maybe good things will happen. Maybe bad things will happen. But like, I'm glad that it's getting out there, and like Ray Fisher and all these people get to have their work out there, sure, and everything. But also at the same time, it's like. I don't like I don't like Snyder's vision anyway. I like his I like his visuals, but I don't like his vision. I can I can feel that. Anyway, it's just, it's an interesting article about a man who lost his daughter, and that's very sad. And he, and I applaud his bravery and strength, and you know, yeah. sticking to his family that is like most depressing. He he's had a rough couple of he had a rough year, and. Uh, that that year at least and the fact that the kid what no one should have to bury their kid no and uh I, at the end of the day i think the fact that he can kind of gets to close the door on that chapter a little bit by putting this movie out i think has meaning and i think also you know fans want it so you know whatever <laughs> it's just not gonna be good i don't think uh, I mean, yeah. it's gonna be whatever it's gonna be, but but at the end of the day, you you have to support it because it is his vision. The fans did ask for this, whether we wanted it or not. Like, there's there's I don't have to support it. Yeah, the the Warner Brothers is literally supporting this. Warner Brothers is giving him the do the money to do it because they have this footage, they own it, and they can put it out in streaming services, and it's fueled their dick move to put out movies despite their artists not wanting them out on streaming. So yeah, like yeah. they're the ones. 
decision. So again, this is a 50-50 for me. I'm like, yeah, it's great. This guy gets his vision out after it's taken away from his daughter and his sexual assault as this movie gets to be buried in history. But also like there's other things involved in this that are like muddied and weird and crazy. And all of it at the very, very tip of the top of this iceberg is Zack Snyder doesn't make good movies. So <laughs> it's just like, it's, I'm like, okay, all right. Why do we keep giving this guy you should just shoot things i mean netflix is perfect for him to make his zombie movies where everyone's already dead that's great zombie heist movie we're gonna rob from the dead i love it like cool that's your thing man cool netflix give you the money to do that but like in terms of dc and all these superheroes like i did not like his take on a lot of them but i like his take on the action and how they should look and like his his view on action is great i'll never 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 not enjoy the Superman Zod fight as a visual, but I will always hate it as a story conceit. Yeah, it's it's a mess. <laughs> I, yeah, dude, I I don't know. I I want to see DC move into something else. I I want them. I want to see more stories and designs and stuff similar to like the animated stuff, but I want it to like be good. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Not to say that's not good, but I, I want to see more interesting stuff. I want to see I want to see them to have a little bit of fun. Not be so glum in, in the dark. All the time. That that just bothers me. And two minutes. Chris, do you have anything to say about all this? Oh god. Um, <laughs> um not really. Nothing. Nothing really to add. I'm just like sitting back and throwing all of this. This is what I was afraid of. Like, I, well, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I would have been okay with not talking about it until a premiere, but it is, a, it is an article that paints him as a decent human being, which is nice. Like, it's a, it's a good memory piece to his daughter and actual suicide prevention. And I, I gotta, I gotta give him that. That's pretty, that's a nice thing that people should talk about. I agree. Uh, I guess I guess if we want to talk about the runtime came out officially, so we know what the official runtime is. Four hours. Four hours, one minute, and 28 seconds. Every last man. second, man. Gotta get that Martian Manhunter in I, there. I want to point out, I'm not entirely sure if that is the, um, the, uh, the um credits yeah with or without credits i i do want I guess to emphasize. With, i guess this is probably with credits i would hope i i'm guessing oh, I because they've that. gone on record and said it but i don't know i i don't want to confirm i think, I think it's with credits i think it's with credits that'd be my guess whatever it is I could be wrong i could be wrong i mean you're so close no. to four you're so close to four hours and if you don't have that material you don't have that material so the credits are just going to get you a little bit over. But if you're already at four, like, why not trim it down that 130-something to make it a perfect, even four, man? <laughs> Clean, Alex, just shake it up, fucking military Get content. ready for 345,600 frames of the Snyder Cut. Did you really I'm math gonna, that? I did math that out. You know that those movies aren't necessarily shot at... 30 frames per second sometimes. That's right? 24. That's 24 frames a second, my yeah, guy. You know, they're, you know they're actually played back at 29.97, right? That's their you know problem. Bugsy, 
You know what bugs me the most? It's in the, it's in the same kind of like it, they, he, it's not in widescreen. It's in square. He cut. He locked off the sides, so uh, it looks like it's. It looks like it's, uh, it's gonna be so bad. <laughs> I, I'm just not a fan of that, to be honest. I think he makes beautiful imagery, and and I'm. It's one of those things like I may put on because I'll put Man of Steel. I'll put its action scenes on mute, but I'll never put the full movie on mute. And I don't do that with Batman vs Superman, if unless it's on TV and whatever. But I don't consider that a good-looking movie. And I honestly don't know if I'm going to consider this a good-looking movie either. Having seen the original Justice League and where things kind of go, I know it has that gloomy kind of background in the instead of the red, and that's more cool. But like. I, the whole point is, I just don't think his movies look that beautiful in the DC universe. I just want to. So it's it's closer to five hundred thousand frames. Even better, even <laughs> better. It's like I don't care if you have to come out so on top it's of like, this. It's, it's like that's better. It's like I got friends lined up ready to see this. I'm it's ready. Like We're gonna go see it together, sitting hey, in the living room. On one of the bigger screens that we can get, and we're God gonna watch it on my four hours birthday. on like my fucking birthday. How dare you? That's your choice. But we're it's just not gonna ch- talk about it on the show until you see it. Damn right. It's like four hundred forty thousand frames. I don't care. I don't care. That's great. That's even better. I, I don't care that I got the math wrong. I don't care. Yeah. Who cares? I don't care. It's math. About Who gives a crap about math? It's not going to be that great. I don't know, man. Some people care about math. No, and that's what's going to be yeah. great about it, Alex, is that it's should, not great. We should care about that. We should Four care about hours of math, not going to apply the math. It's going to drive me mad. And I'm looking forward I mean, to it. My God. He's, he's, oh my his God. films are an interesting dissection in how you should not make films, in my opinion. Like Joaquin Phoenix in the bathroom, dude. That's what I'm talking. Like, total right. oh, losing God. it. Oh God! Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Boys, boys, I'm gonna send y'all a meme. By the way, I... we're well over time, so that's okay. That's okay. You can look at this meme. You can answer it on your own time. We'll move on to Wandavision, but I'm sending a meme nonetheless. <laughs> yep, that's accurate. I'll take. It. <laughs> that's accurate. Uh, I, that's I, accurate i'll take i'll take I that. Love that meme i'm gonna be honest i just love that meme <laughs> that meme it. can never do wrong all right anywho WandaVision. let's talk about wandavision back to my timer no come back here bad timer bad, bad timer. timer no no <laughs> oh god damn it kitty though it's my pot pie <laughs> hey we're going <laughs> Ten seconds in again. I'm all right. WandaVision. Yeah, talk about it. Yeah, Chris, talk about it. You talk about it. You said you wanted. You wanted to move on. <laughs> Everyone wants to talk about well, it. Structurally, we were supposed to move on just on time, but also I think we were done with Snyder. But yeah, Chris, what'd you think? Oh my god, uh, that was the best episode today. Mm. I've been waiting for th- Alex. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, this is the one he. This is the one he's been waiting for. This is the one Alex has been waiting for. Mm. Like seriously, we got, like, we got a like, lot of answers in this one. So it's just like it was called by the uh, by, like I said, the only people I watch that re- for a recap of this show is Mister Sunday Movies. 
They called it. This was an exposition dump. I don't care. It was all character. I don't care. It was beautiful. Heck, when she was walking up to the house, like looking at that, um, that blueprint, apparently, that was in her cards. You may or may not know where that came from. But, but... No, 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 no. So, so, sex, sex, sex. Let him stop. Let him go. Matters. God damn. So, this ways. So, um, like, um, so when she's walking up to that house, um, like, I was getting like Furiosa vibes from Max Fury Road. I don't know if you guys caught that, but like when she, when she figures out that the green place is like rotted, that was the place that like when she just like that beautiful shot in the movie. I was like, for whatever reason, when I was watching Wanda walk up to that walk up to that um that lot, um that uh that that uh, that, ha- that, uh, the the house that the house that they were going to have, the vision bot. yeah, the yeah, house yeah. Bot. Like I was getting Furiosa vibes. Yeah, like she does get on her knees like, and scream. Yeah, like I felt that. It was like, um, I was just like, yes. Like, so far as we know, like somehow, okay, this is this, this is what they've shown us. The grander comic book implications are to be discussed by Alex and Zach, which I have no bearing on. I have no interest in. I'm just going off of what I have been shown. Like, oh, well, I mean, I I do want to pick your brain on that a so little bit, but I far as so far as we know, so far as I know, Wanda, a, she had this all along. Yes. B. She caused this. So accidentally. So 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 Chris. Also, now you want to stop me. I'm not even done. No, 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 Chris, Chris. Yes and yes. You're right. So, so the first thing. caused it. Yeah. Also, I'm not even done. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta keep going. I'm sorry. Sorry. I gotta keep going. I'm sorry. So like. Go, go. I want to go. (laughs) And so she caused this, right? Yes. And (laughs) she has no recollection of it until now. So now what's she going to do? Now what she's going to do with it? Like. And she's still trying to protect those kids. She's still, she's still trying, she's still trying to protect those kids, even though it was shown they may or may not be real. Like that's 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 crazy. Um, (laughs) She is Scarlet Witch. Yeah, finally, it's the Scarlet Witch. Um, and uh, (laughs) the part where that broke me. This is the part that absolutely broke me. Like, guys, there's a fake vision. So, so hold on, hold on. So, There's so, the fake vision running around. So, Chris, yeah. There's the fake vision running around. Let's talk about... I'm gonna I talk literally about, had to walk on. I had to stop. So, I had so to talk, stop and just I'm walk gonna, out please, and take a breath. Please, gonna, Zach, just let I, had to, uh, I had to take a. I had to take a breath. I had to walk out of the room. I was just like, with that scene, that last scene played, I'm like... Uh, oh, my God, there's a fake uh, vision. That's, uh, there's a fake... <laughs> Alex, guys. There's so, a fake vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Hashtag better. there's a fake vision. <laughs> I'm walking around. There's actually two. They built there's a fake two. vision. There's actually two. 
So yeah, there's there's there's. <laughs> All right, Chris, calm down. Jack, why are you trying to stop him? Why are you trying to keep him from freaking out? Man? There's this. There's a there's a fake vision. This is a big body vision. He's like, just explaining his for initial reaction from so, the show. Like he doesn't know what any of it means yet. You will explain I'm not him getting into that. Like, like he's like said the same thing like six times. There's a fake vision. Yes, but I do it too, man. Like that's the whole point of this show. Just let him get it out. So when I okay, 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 okay. That so that has implications too. That so the vision that we see within the hex may or may not be because no 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 it isn't that isn't like his real body that, that we is, saw that isn't the on real the operating body. table the real, the real the vi- that body is the fake vision that sword like cooked up. I'll explain. No 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 no. She did not take that body. She, I know. She were shown. We were shown that she did I not know. take the body. I know. Mm-hmm. Let me explain. Okay. I talk and then you know. can I can I just get this out first? Because you yes, keep you trying to stop oh, me oh. every five freaking seconds. I know. So I know. there's a, as far as I am looking at this, right? There, she did not take that body. Therefore, the vision that we see in the hex is all of her construct. Yes. Mm-hmm. She did not take that body. So that means that the body that they, they finished their vision, their vision. Oh my gosh, the metaphor is going on here. So, <laughs> and just, oh man, just, oh God. It was just so good. I even got the answers to the sitcom, the sitcom question. I was like, why is this all in a sitcom? Because she watched sitcoms with her parents before Tony Stark blew up her house. Man. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You, you that's did. what I'm looking for here. Yeah, that's what I wanted out of this. Is this is this the oh, payoff wanted? Oh, chef's kiss. This is what I wanted. Okay. All along. Perfect. This is everything that I wanted. And now Chris, we're getting a laser you, light show in the next episode. Surely. Are this you want more? Are you happy There's that you one more, guys? Else? There's are one you, more. Are you are you happy? <laughs> Alex, there's one more. Chris, are you... <laughs> so, I'm sorry, so Chris, you can't do math. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. it's okay. Sorry. It's okay. Chris, are you happy ah! to have this with us, even though you didn't want to see this originally? Ooh, man. So, so, so Just, before, uh... I, before I go into my big explanation, it's a fake vision. Yes, Chris. So... I remember first week we had to kind of convince you to, to watch this because you weren't sure of it. Are you happy that we got you to sit down? I got the- what I wanted. That's all I said. I just want, I, I had few, I had like three questions. Why sitcoms? What's the meaning behind this? And what are they trying to do with it? I got all of it. I got all of it. I'm throwing yeah. stuff now. So, so Chris, do, do you have complete faith in you to do anything now? No. What? He is not a god. Okay. He is a god. He made this happen. Mortal man. Well, yeah, he's a mortal man. He's exceptionally good at his job. I I have faith in (laughs) To an almost scary degree. Like the amount of trust that Disney puts in him is astronomical. Yes. Cannot be calculated by the human mind. He he anything he puts out as part of Marvel's brand 
I have complete faith in. I've I've had it. This show has proven it. And they can do the as, honestly, Chris, here's the beauty of this show. They, as far as I'm concerned, Marvel could put out any weird concept. Any weird concept. I don't care how weird, how crazy. They can do infinity for all I care. And I'd have complete faith that it would work at the end. Disagree. Really? Wow. Immortals. Really? You don't think Immortals. Ah, uh, the you mean the Inhumans? Inhumans. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was that was Marvel TV. I want to point that out. It's oh, still Marvel. Yeah, but it's Kevin Feige didn't oversee it. It doesn't. No, he did oversee it. He gave the job to somebody else to oversee the television department of it. It's still his MCU. That's what he's learned now through WandaVision, which is that if you give the shitty guy who made that show and Iron Fist shows in the first place, they're going to fucking suck. That's why they've decided to focus on D Disney Plus streaming and making their shows like comic books, where now their issues, their stories are fleshed out. They're not, they don't have to be two hours now. They can be spread out so that you can get this material the way you would in issues. Yeah, that's how they got you to buy more comics, but that's also what television is. Yeah. Let's move like that's I, I I also honestly and honestly even since Endgame and, and Infinity War for that matter, I've had pretty big faith that they could tackle any major thing. Inhumans was pre that and there was a lot of stuff. Iron Fist was fucked up long before that was a, a thing, but like when Infinity War came out and then when they finished it as perfectly as they could have in Endgame, I had faith that they could do anything weird. Anything. Look, I, I'm, I mean, I... Okay. I, this, move, this show has brought in a lot of interesting discussions about pop culture. What, how pop storytelling, pop music, stuff, just pop in general, that idea of finding the right thing that can reach anyone. Um, WandaVision is part of the MCU. The whole point of the MCU is to reach everyone. And they're doing something weird, yes. It's not the first time. The, mo the moment they did the first Avengers movie, that's weird. The moment they brought in Guardians of the Galaxy, that's weird. The moment that Doctor Strange started stepping in, that's weird. Like, they, they have been taking baby steps to achieve the things they want. That's why it's so interesting. It's production. It's committee. It's, on, it's like... It's good factory stuff. It's reliable stuff. It's the thing that South Park would kind of argue for, which is that conservatism and capitalism is bad, but also it's kind of good. <laughs> it's terrible. But also, that's kind of the point. Like, people are going out, then WandaVision going, like, people are watching this show and thinking it's smart, but it's not. It's making dumb people seem smart. And I'm like, that's really mean to say about this show. To say that people walked in and were supposed to get a Twin Peaks, but they walked out and they got Twin Peaks light. And it's like, that's fucking rude, man. I don't expect Chris to ever like or watch or want to get anything out of Twin Peaks, but I do think you could one day. But I think to get you there, you have to be – you have to swim in that ocean. You have to learn how to swim. Learning how to swim means spending more time with more content that is challenging you as a viewer. This is a show – that took people who grew up on Iron Man and an incredible Hulk movie and are now challenging them on a visual storytelling level. Is it the most complex thing ever? No. Is it trying to challenge them on a level that's like schoolwork? No. The one thing I would say about this show is that, yes, this episode gave me everything I wanted about Wanda, but someone made a very good argument, which is 
what if they had given this to us on episode three? And they gave us episode three now. And Sword and Monica came into play now. And Vision and his whole part came into play now later in the story. And we got Wanda and her entire backstory. And we're feeling the guilt of her making this actions. And still wondering what was up with Agatha in the background. And I'm like, yeah, that's a better story. But at the same time, this is the first time they've ever executed something like this. And maybe they were so excited about the sitcom element and, and trying to get people to understand this, like Chris, who's never watched a good mysterious show that has to end its mystery in nine episodes. How do you create a Twin Peaks in nine episodes and still give everything that you want? That's hard as shit. And although this isn't like the most complicated thing ever, I applaud the MCU by saying, we're no longer giving you weird sci-fi characters and crazy aliens and stuff like this and intriguing time. We're not applying concepts at you anymore, storytelling-wise. We're actually challenging the way that you watch stuff how things are presented to you, like different styles of camera work, of, of, like, of editing, and we're making you question things that you're looking at and how you watch and digest the things you watch and digest. That is amazing. That's amazing. It's both oh. satisfying when you get Pedro, but it's also even more satisfying when you get the fact that these people who are making the show are literally giving two people that were side characters like, Wanda was a villain in one movie, and Jarvis was a voice in a suit. And now they are having some of the best work that these actors have ever had in their lives, shown to so many people, for kids, for people. And it's talking about trauma and depression in ways that I've only seen in shows like BoJack Horseman. So I can't say that this show needs to be any smarter or more complex. This is pop they're trying to reach everyone on a broad level and trying to take us baby steps in terms of cinematic language. And I applaud them. Could they do better? Should they have done better a long time ago? Could they have done better right now with this show? Yes, but they're doing better than I ever could. So, and some people are, period. So yeah. 15 minutes. So, so, so Alex, you actually just reminded me. Uh, on Friday, I'm starting Twin Peaks again. <laughs> I hope so, man. Yeah, I'm going to be on a flight, so I'll have uh, time to watch a couple episodes of season two. So. Jesus Christ, man. That's a rough show to watch on a plane. I, I did it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, so I, I, have, show can I, get rough. I have a few things to say about this show. There's a fake vision. They fucking did. No, I'm sorry. He's a vision zombie. There's a yeah. fake vision in yeah. a vision zombie. Yeah, so... So, so hold on. <laughs> There's another big vision. They, they're doing comic Wanda, which is so good. They are doing chaos magic, which is the dumbest power in the comics ever. Chris, to, to give you a brief understanding of chaos magic in the comics, and they're doing it. They straight up said they're doing it uh, in the show. Chaos magic can do anything. I mean, literally anything on a, on a, on a, um, like how, how well, would I show it? This it, episode it, is proof of it. Yeah, they, this whole show is proof of anything it. Anything you want it to do. So like it, like to explain chaos magic, Chris. So so do you know what Domino's mutant power is? Um, garlic bread crust. She's lucky. <laughs> she she has the power over luck. She she can change probability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can change probability to her favorite. I don't know. So, I thought that was pretty good. I thought my answer was better. I thought my answer was better. Yeah, That's chaos funny. magic is basically that, but like 
a hundred billion times more powerful. She not so, only can probability, she can control reality and she can control anything to be anything. She she can she can and they explained it obviously, like she she inadvertently made that bomb not blow up for two days straight. Because so, because when did go ahead. Uh, because she just can. Uh, she purposely created a whole sitcom television world because she is a huge fan of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> like, well, I, it's, it's, uh, it's a no, couple here's of the things. Here's the thing. Alex, interesting. can I? Can I? Oh, hold on. Uh, she she just can do anything, even make a a emotional construct of her dead boyfriend, whose dead body got remade by a government organization, because why not? And there are questions of that. Why the fuck did Wakanda let them take a vibranium synthesoid out of their borders? <laughs> they fucking branded Claw and sent people after him to murder him for decades for taking regular vibranium, and they let the U.S. government walk out with Arguably the most valuable source of vibranium in the world. And well, they this is I, I would what I would argue to that is what probably started out is this is our friend, can we have our friend back? Over time has turned into through sword and other bureaucracy that this is now a thing that we've been arguing. It's kind of the, it's one of the problems that I have with the show, which is that they cared so much about them two as beings that they let them live on their own for two years before infinity war happened and let them do their own thing for a long time as a, rom a long while as a romantic couple so the fact that like once he's dead that like wanda there's no one sitting beside wanda being like hey you know um i and i guess because the like rogers isn't there and but hawkeye is there isn't nobody there. There's nobody there to just like, hey, Wanda, like this is what happened to Vision or no one's done anything about Vision in those five years. Is he just a thing? Have they just been beaten senseless because of the depression? Like, well, that that's uh, what well, that's, I think, going to end up being the biggest unanswered question out of this show. Truthfully, I don't think they're going to answer it is Wanda disappeared after the snap. There was that five year time skip where the where the original six Avengers and friends bummed around depressed but they didn't do anything with vision's body and wakanda didn't claim it and what's to do with it what are you gonna do with I, it? wakanda well, didn't claim it because i guarantee you they took vision's body as a friend from that field they were like hey can we have our friend back and then he was just in america for a long time and then just over time that happened but the only one who i guess in this story cared about burying him was was her, which I just don't care about. I, I'm, I'm sorry, not care about, but I just don't believe. Which is I, why I think yeah. if we'd have gotten Wanda's, all of Wanda's backstory earlier in the show and spent more time with Vision and what he's going through, it would make this entire back half a lot more interesting with S.W.O.R.D. Because that is what happened to Vision. He was taken with his body and everything. And, like, I would feel more guilt about what Wanda's going through and still feeling shady about Agatha basically... Um, benefiting from this trauma. I would realize that over time. We all realize this is all info we all knew. The yeah. show didn't lie about any of these things. It just, and I'm only talking about within the text of the show, not just like comic book lore. Within the text of the show, it's been very clear that Wanda has been dealing with some sort of trauma. And we all know Wanda's backstory within the old movies and shows is that she is dealing with grief. 
And this, and this show has basically been answering the questions that we've all been fearing are true. That's what makes a good storytelling. We fear that Wanda has been pushed to this point, and she has. And then sadly, because it's a world of villains and heroes, a villain watched this, saw that she had so much power, and was like, I want that power. And I said this early on. I was like, even if Wanda is doing this on her own, like the, there has to be somebody on the side who's like, I'm taking advantage of this. Yeah. Because it is a superhero show. But yeah. that doesn't mean that Wanda herself isn't going through something incredibly powerful and traumatic. And there's something I've realized in that research is that there's a lot of Marvel stories about characters going through grief, where in DC it's mostly about characters going for power and getting stronger. And you're like, oh, shit, oh, man, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Like, <laughs> and, and I'm the, not surprised see, the now. The beauty is, Alex, is that now that we have all these answers, it's hard to even say, well, this is what happened in the comics because – like the the most you can explain at this point in the comics is exactly what Agatha's power suite is and exactly what Wanda's power suite is, and that's kind of it at this point. Like, like White Vision was a thing in Vision Quest. It, 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 it they've kind of already established what it is too. Uh, is that he's not gonna be he's not gonna be the Vision we know and love. This is gonna be just kind of an emotionless robot, basically. <laughs> In that in the comic books that he, that there is a white vision yes that didn't know anything he was used as a bad guy but then they took a ghost vision and yeah. they put him in there and they made him a thing that he also didn't have his memory back yeah there's a lot of comic things and I'm starting to realize that that's not the point of this show okay. because when we talk about all of these comic book stuff we all knew it the only thing that wasn't sure is that whether Mephisto would show up or that Agatha was like the second henchman or whether she was the one or not and she was it was like but here's the thing in terms of this world. Yeah, it, the whole reason of Mephisto not showing up is the thing that we learned in Avengers. We're like, Thanos is the person. No, Loki was working for Thanos. And that tells you in terms of the storytelling that we are not ready for Thanos yet. We're not ready for Mephisto yet. But the fact that we have Agatha and we're getting these stepping stones into chaos magic and witches and that she was actually a witch the whole time, they're holding holding our hand to bigger worlds. We're taking the baby steps that need to go there. So while I don't care that Mephisto was there or not, it tells me now what I should be expecting in the future. And what I got from what I had is what I should be happy with. So everything that we watched from this episode is stuff that we uh, that kind of already knew. Either Vision had these ideas about television or Wanda did. But it is interesting to know that Wanda had these powers and they were fueled. It says a lot about her being the more having the more agency in the story of the life of her and her brother than her brother which is usually not how superhero stories go she has slowly become the most powerful person in this world because she has been a victim and because she has ex uh, overcome it both emotionally and through magic that she didn't know was supporting her the whole time and that was built from the uh i, I also these are all great things but i wish we had gotten them earlier in the show so that the more like i just wish we'd have gotten it sooner because we already knew this shit and i'm and i'm thinking this isn't a bad horrible decision i'm just looking at it now that i'm like you know structurally that's how i would have played it out but also this is like it, this is connected to the next thing and the next thing maybe the placement for things are a little bit different but the fact that they did it at all the fact that they took the time to spend an entire episode to really think about wanda's emotional arc as a character and what she's going through the fact that they spent time on that at all is great sure 
within the realm of this show, why do why is it basically a whole episode of someone showing her that? Is it for the audience? Is it for her? When you look at the episode, it's like, what's the reason she's showing it to Wanda? Like oh. she wants to see the thing that Wanda did to make this happen, sure, but why do, why are we the audience going through Wanda with it? And it's like it probably would have made more sense if this had happened earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Um and these are all the things that like I noticed now because it's done in front of me. If I was making it, that's I don't know if I would have seen that. And that's so, why I'm more more impressed by this. Yeah. So I actually have a few questions coming out of this and I hope they answer them, but I don't think we will. So I I have two main questions. They actually both have to do with her brother. Is obviously Wanda was a witch. We we know this. That was always the case. Um but that doesn't explain why Peter's fast. Um, and and my, my theory that I have going is that Peter Maximoff, or Pietro or whatever, was a mutant the whole time. The Mind Stone just unlocked his mutant potential just as it did her witch potential. Um, because being a witch doesn't make you fast, as far as I'm aware. Not no, like it doesn't seem like that, but I... I I have a bigger question, which is sorcerers that that anyone can per, anyone can perform sorcery, but witches are born. Yes, they're born with it, and more importantly, I believe the show showed that if they don't train in it, it dies while they're young. Yeah. Right? It dies believe, at the vine. That that is that is what Agatha said, basically. It dies at the vine. Yeah. Yeah, it dies in the vine. Um. So what what what's really interesting is that witches seem like a separate organization from the Masters of the Mystic Arts, um, and that the Masters of the Mystic Arts allows you to use magic, but witches are a different breed of of magic user, which is interesting. But it seems because if I remember correctly, breed. well, um, yeah, from what no, that's I, true. That's a, that's the proper use. That's why I thought it was interesting. I was like, yeah, yeah. literal breed. Um, from what I've understood and what some of the expanded stuff in the MCU has explained is that the Masters of the Mystic Arts draw their magic from the mirror dimension. That 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 that's how they, they do it. And they she also and then, and then the Sorcerer Supreme draws their magic from the dark dimension, as as we know, because the ancient one did that. And that witch and that witchers witches draw their magic from themselves because they are the magic conduit. Um, and that witches are natural born magicians. Well, obviously, uh, masters of the mystic arts are, are, are wielding magic that exists in other dimensions, but so but Chris, I'm, he's a witch. Let's burn him, right? Yeah. I'm a witch. Burn me. Let's burn him. Burn me. Yeah. Burn! Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, do I get to come back in an American horror story season? Two minutes. Yes. You are Emma Roberts. I'm not well. I might not be Emma Roberts, but am I? Am I? You're Emma Roberts to me. Am I Emma Roberts to you? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Awesome, badass, Julia Roberts niece. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. No, I'm. I'm really happy with um what I've seen. I. I have a lot of questions about what's up with P- uh, Pietro because I'm not. I. I'm still not sure Pietro is just a construct created by Agatha or. If, she actually pulled him from the X-Men universe or, or what's going on? Both are still I don't think they're ever going to explain it. I don't well, think they're ever going to explain it. No, I don't think so either. Um, but 
and, and, and is Pietro a mutant or is he just weird? <laughs> um, he, he is something that they do. The fact that they take the time with Wanda does mean that they have they should explain something with him. They don't have to, but he is now a window in which that yeah, you could explain something to do with mutants. But um, it would be nice to have Aaron Taylor Johnson come back. It'd be cool. Yeah, uh, I I am firmer in the belief that I think Agatha just made Evan Peters as a as a creation. Yeah, as a, who was saying that that, or, or, that, or, or, that or, Evan? Or, who was saying Evan Peters was Mephisto? Who was saying that? Uh, he could have been Mephisto. I was a possibility no. to me. Yeah, I, I thought it was I, a possibility. I don't buy it anymore. I mean, probably I don't just buy it anymore. I don't either. I don't of, of like the rabbit or whatever. I don't know. Like or the rabbit. The rabbit. Well, the rabbit is named Scratch, and the Scratch is the name of her son in the comics. The, oh, yeah, the rabbit could be something. The, the, uh, the rabbit could be something, but I don't think it's anything outside of just like a little nod to the fans. Yeah. Agatha wanted power, and they basically made it very clear in her opening with she killed her mom by sucking her power out of all of them. She has since then spent the decades sucking power out of other witches. It's that so obvious. That? Even funny, and that's it. She just saw Wanda come in. That's the thing. Like this is a show about Wanda and the grief that she went through. We're seeing it from her perspective mostly, yes. But I think if we had, now that we know this, and now that we know that that was Agatha's goal, and that there's kind of two villains, maybe that makes more sense. But as I sit here, I'm like, if we'd have, if we'd have seen this stuff with Wanda earlier, and then watched her like. We know this stuff. It's like what Hitchcock said about a bomb being under the table. We know what's under the table, but the um, the, the character. character doesn't. So, like, if we had seen her, uh, her go through all of this stuff and then do that um, Furiosa snap and then all of a sudden wake up and it's the black and white thing and then watch it unfold as Agatha continues to mess things – and then Monica shows up and Sword shows up and Vision gets sentience, it would have made way more sense. It would have had more of an impact. Now, that's, again, in hindsight, watching a complete thing that I didn't take the time to work on and have to craft from day one, considering an entire thing that's happened ahead of me and what's come before me. So I applaud their efforts to make something that still, on the whole, in nine episodes, gives you everything, but not necessarily in the order I would have liked. It's like Man of Steel. Man of Steel gives you flashbacks at the wrong point. He gets bullied by kids, and then all of a sudden he does something, and then later in the movie he deals with the passive, you know, like bullies again, and it's like, no, this should have happened earlier. You know, like a structuring of where this element should have happened is the biggest problem here. But it's also an attempt and changing the way that people view these characters, this world, how these stories can be told and still giving you the action MCU stuff, the crazy stuff that we like to see, the mystery of a loss, but also the, the character development of what actually happened to Wanda. It's a little late, but it happened. And I'm happy with that. I, I'm also curious, and obviously we, we can't trust everything, but I feel like Ralph is something still. I, I feel like there's something with Ralph, even if... Nope. Uh... Nope. We haven't seen enough of him. Agatha has a lot of power, and she could gain... She would could gain friends in that time span. She doesn't have to be alone. But she's obviously, based off of the beginning of that scene... She has been doing this a long time, which is just draining other witches. And doing something like that, you also don't get a lot of friends. Usually take their power. 
So does she have a like someone about I could see like usually this is what happens in a lot of movies, and I think this is what could happen here. That she doesn't get what she wants from Wanda in this. But through this, Mephisto sees it too and then goes, Agatha, why don't you work with me? And then Agatha becomes like in the comics the second hand to Mephisto because she flew too close to the sun in this situation. I think that would be really fun. And I think we have a chance. Um, I I don't know. It's it's what happened with Red Skull. We are, we are over. Okay. Um, But I do want to say, I have literally no idea how this is going to end. Neither do I. (laughs) And I'm 100% okay with that. Yeah. All the, everything's laid out on the table. Now it's just... Oh, man, we're coming up with the best movie. Well, uh, it's just... Um, actually, I, I have one thing I think... There is still... I still think there's one more shoe to drop. Like, there's I, one... Like, yes. But at this point, like... I'm, I'm kind of back and forth on it, but I do want to... I'm kind of back and forth on that, but I do want to share it's one called more thing. Wanda, it's called WandaVision. I think the last element of this show is going to be in more of an involvement of a Vision episode. We've gotten everything we need to get yeah. out of Wanda. She just has to make a, deci- a decision right now, which is to save her... Well, just to save her kids. And then, like, yeah, basically she's a hostage right now. She's the... She's like um, Brad Pitt at the end of Seven. All she wants to know is what's in the fucking box. Like, give me my kids. Are my kids going to live or not? That's Wanda now. That's, in fact, what everyone has been asking about Wanda from day one. It's now Vision. What Vision is running to the rescue. He's the one who's gone through this stuff. And there is a zombie Vision out there who's going to go in there and try and stop things. Like Logan did. There's a fake Logan and there's a real Logan. So, like, it's going to end up like that. My question is, what's going to happen to Vision? Is he going to live? Is 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 he gonna? Co- are they gonna combine him and he'll do something else? Is Wanda gonna come out of this a certain way? Like, there are the questions that I have about these characters in terms of how they their relationships between each other, not necessarily universe. Like, they make it very clear that there are people rooting for Wanda and Vision to get back together. It is called Wanda Vision, and there's this is about the grief of losing that person, and yet they're coming back. So. I would like to see Vision come back. Maybe not the same person like Gamora in, uh, in Endgame, but um, we'll see. This is how people come back. They don't necessarily come back the same. So, it's a new journey for them. Um, like, like Michelle Rodriguez. Why am I trying to thought? Damn it. Um, Michelle Rodriguez in Fast and the Furious. Um, so I did have like an interesting thought. I was like, this is, I think. Besides, like, I have no idea how this is going to end. That being said, it could end in one of three ways. Um, at least, in t- at least with Wanda, she either becomes the bad, she either, or she literally becomes like, like, dang, stupid armchair. Um, she becomes the big. She becomes the big bad. She, um, she either, like. Like, like, leaves, runs away, um, like um, Bruce Banner in uh, in uh, Incredible Hulk, or like, <laughs> or like at the end of First Blood, she just turns herself in after ranting about the Vietnam War. Um, 
But um, but like when I was when I was um, I was thinking about this after episode seven. I'm like, wouldn't it be interesting if they had like, if like um, they uh, I was like, I don't know. I'm into I'm into this uh, YouTube channel called Legal Legal, where it's a real lawyer reacting to stuff. I'm like, wouldn't it be interesting if somebody did like this like this um this faux trial, like this this made up trial was like you okay. It's it's literally the people versus Wanda Maximoff. How do you try that? How do you do? How do you like? I I was like, what if this like that would happen? No, if if like this was like the second half of an episode of Law and Order, like it's just the trial of Wanda Maximoff. That would be that would be so awesome. Not only do I think that's possible, I was thinking in this episode, how did like if you look at Vision getting that plot of land, it says land for Wanda and the Vision. I'm like, he got it as the Vision. His first name's the <laughs> Vision. The yeah, so yeah, they would it would be Wanda. Dude, people are gonna sue Wanda if Wanda ends up like realizing that it was you know Agatha feeling it. Well, here's the thing, Wanda all one all Wanda wanted to do was go to the land that Vision had bought. And turn that house real. She wanted to make that one house real. But because she was grieving so badly, she ended up going for the whole neighborhood. And then because the whole neighborhood was helping this thing become real for her, she kept going. And then Agatha stoked the fires. Agatha was the one was like, your boss is coming. This is it. Hey, make a dinner for your boss. Pushing the situational comedy. Go to this person. You need to be a part of her thing. And then, like, she's been pushing for all of this to continue to happen because she wants Wanda to continue to make her magic. She wanted the kids. The kids right. is something Agatha has wanted. She's been pushing for it. So that's a goal for her, and those kids are something she's been wanting. Um, okay. So... But this is all like her, like she stepped into it. I agree. Wanda did not necessarily intend this for this to happen or hurt other people. But at a certain point, she kept hurting people and didn't care. She so was okay I, with it. She was okay with it. And I think that's that's the point of grief, which and and like are, if there's a person in your life, like a father figure or your actual father or something like that, who uh, has been horrible in your life, just terrible. They were an addict. But then later in life, they grow up and you actually are there to watch that transformation and they change and become somebody else. Yes, at a point in their life, they hurt you because of their grief and their depression and their addiction. But now they are a better person who's able to change. Is that possible? Can we want that for Wanda? Is that can Wanda run away from this and not be the same again after losing her kids if that's a thing that happens? But I think the show and Vision are there to look at her and say that people want her to overcome this grief, that there are people pushing for her as a still a human being. And we wouldn't get this episode and empathize with her so much if they didn't want us to both understand and push for her to be a better person, like an Anakin Skywalker who later would throw his boss down a shaft. It's possible. But like, I think one, I think, if they take away her kids, yeah, she goes to a place where they have to go find her, and wherever she is, she's, like, screwing things up because she's so angry. Or, and my hope is, maybe the kids are not taken from her, but that she makes the sacrifice to not keep them to keep Vision, or sacrifices Vision for the kids. I don't the, think the kids are real. Sacri- I don't, the kids aren't real, just, but neither is Vision. 
but vision can be real. And also what has been clear, made clear in the show is that if you put something into the show, it can be come out and still be a composite of that thing. So if you put a fake zombie vision in there and then take the vision that's in that show and put it in that body and then take it out, you've got a brand new vision. So that's what the show has made clear. So let's, okay, we're, we're over. We're over. Let's save this for next, please. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Like we're over. We can talk about this off recording if we, if we want to, but like, yeah, um, we're over. We got to move on uh, um, to what we watched. Go. Who's gonna start? I'm sorry, I was drinking water and that was hilarious. I didn't watch. I didn't watch. Yeah, it. I'm sure it was. Watch. Oh, I watch anything. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, Zach, you didn't watch anything? Nope. Uh, Chris, did you watch anything? Uh, just uh, <laughs> I uh, I went on a. This is when the movies kick, and I went back and watched their uh, Transformers reviews. Oh, man. Great memories, right? I just like how at the second movie, James is like, like watching these back-to-back. I'm tired. <laughs> and that's only two movies. It was only, like, it may have been the third one, though. But, like, he was just, like, so easy. Like, this is tiring. Like, this is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. He's talking about taking a break, and I'm just like, we didn't remember that. Remember that one? It's like it's a lot. We, no, we powered through. Powered through. It got the worst out of us. <laughs> it was like if you walk into a warehouse and <laughs> oh no, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Okay. Um. um, um yeah. yeah. So like um. So then I uh. Started watching his uh, the the Zack Snyder like his first the first three Zack Snyder movies for the DCEU and like um his reviews obviously but um like uh <laughs> I was just thinking like that whole time just like how just like were how received those movies were I thought Man of Steel was meh I was like I thought it was all right honestly um when I watched it Batman v Superman I was actively questioning what I was watching. Like, okay, like, what am I watching? Like, all of this is just, like, whatever. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, then they came to Justice League, and they were just tearing that apart. I'm just like, you know, I came to my own personal conclusion. Like, BVS was better. BVS, BV, not BVS was better. BVS, BVS Superman was worse than Justice League. I'm sorry, guys. Like, like for me, where I draw where I, like, come from and where where I've come to the conclusion to is, like, this is me personally. Like, I've I've thought about this a lot. It's like, um, bad movies. Bad movies. Bad movies are Mm -hmm. bad movies. Regardless of how they're made. They're bad. So, like, um, I, so, like, people were just, like, well, at least, like, BBS had a vision and had one guy's creative force behind it. I was not as offended in Justice League as I was in BBS. You don't waste good visuals like that on nothing. Okay, that w- that's what upset me more. So I don't care, like, if it was one man's vision. It was still a massive waste of time for me. It was still mm-hmm. terrible. 
Like, it's a bad freaking movie. Just like, and I was just like, I understand how bad Justice League is. I'm just like, it's like, to me, it's just like, whatever. Just like, it was just a, it was just a brain fart. But like, man, BM every Superman is just a chore. Just like for me, I like I don't I mean, care if it's one guy's vision. I don't care if it was made by committee. If it's bad, if it's a bad movie made with bad decisions and bad like um, thought processes, it's bad. Regardless, let, well, one let guy's vision, one guy's committee. It doesn't matter to me. It's bad. Well, let me, and it let should me not have been way. made. If you're trying to make, if you're trying to have an argument with somebody. Do you want to have an argument with someone who, regardless of whether you disagree with that person or not, it's very clear that they have come to the conclusion on their own that there's an A and a B and a C and that you can prove those things wrong if need be. You are talking to a person who has some logistical sense about how a discussion can happen because they understand what their point is. You can argue their point to a fault and realize, and make them realize that they've made a mistake, regardless of whether they want to accept that. If you can, like, they're basically saying two plus two is four, and you're saying yes. You're what you're doing technically is an equation, but it's wrong. You can say that to him. Justice League is like talking to someone who is schizophrenic. It's like two different conversations, and one of them is a fucking idiot. Now, is it more enjoyable conversation to talk to somebody like that? Probably. It's, they're probably going to say more entertaining stuff, and they're probably going to be more fun to hang out with than the guy who's just like you disagree with. Do you want to hang out with a Republican or kind of a dumb idiot? So it's it's you know that's the real question here. It's like I I, <laughs> I give I give um and I'm talking like hardcore like somebody you disagree with kind of Republican. Like I'm not saying I disagree with all Republicans, but like as an example, someone who just is someone you can disagree with as opposed to someone who's just dumb like justice league it, I, there are things i like about it i think it understands how superman should be used by henry Cavill in general that's the one thing i will give it credit for outside of that it looks awful nobody really wants to be a part of it and it doesn't have the same look to it as some of the other action scenes it just looks bad it's just not a good it's a mismatch frankenstein of two different visions and as a whole after a while I don't find that as interesting as looking at Zack Snyder's and being like, one guy thought about doing this? I disagree with it, but I also have way more fun because he sat down and made a YouTube video where he describes every single decision he made in a director commentary of Batman v Superman. And in the first minute, he's like, this is the image. It starts with a funeral and ends with a funeral. I'm like, okay, he understands certain aspects of filmmaking and film language more so than I ever could. I just disagree with him. And I also don't think he understands how to make a movie move fluidly. That to me has always been more interesting than just saying like, this guy came in and just added some fucking jokes. Like here's, here's Flash. And uh, Cyborg digging a grave. Flash could dig that grave in one fucking second. You don't need two people to go there and do that. And just so they can make jokes? Fuck you, Joss Whedon. Come on. Zack Snyder put his damn heart into those visuals. I may disagree with him, and I may not, but he made sure everyone on that set worked their hardest to make sure everything looked that way. And that's the thing. I think his movies are interesting things to look at. I disagree with them. 
and I didn't want him to make them in the first place. But that to me is way more interesting to like use as an example of like bad filmmaking or uh, or at least someone you can like disagree with because people like his stuff because it is consistent in its vision. They may they agree with Superman snapping next and a post 9-11 Superman. But like you can't ignore the fact that Superman became a goddamn side character in his own sequel movie to a character the Snyder was way more interested in and also kind of screwed up a little bit. Like it's just decisions are more interesting to disagree with than when you look at Justice League and you're like, oh, Joss Whedon just made a funny scene where people are like, he didn't try. He just like was like, hey, I'm funny. And it's like, ah, okay. All right. At least Snyder is doing something. I I could sit there and talk about his decisions and how they're wrong they are and how fun it is for me to disagree with this guy. But he also lost his daughter, and I agree. And I like I empathize with him as a human. I don't agree with him as an artist. Joss Whedon, on the other hand, like he just stepped in and took the money and was like, the only good thing he did is he's like, this is how you do Superman. And I was like, yeah, I agree, and I like it. And I liked Superman at the end of Justice League. And I remember sitting in the theater and being like, yeah, I like that Superman. And I walked away with a smile on my face because of that Superman. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to like Justice League because it's not going to give me that Superman. But well, I am going to well, look well, at that. Well, like, Alex. Um, is, was that Superman truthfully Whedon or was it Snyder's that Whedon used? It was Whedon. Whedon, that is, that is, first of all, he put color. He's not the black and white Superman. He came in, he's smiling, he's all that stuff. Like, I believe that this, I believe that Clark will be happy to be alive in Justice League, but he's not going to be a happy-go-lucky dude. He never has been. He was never a guy who was going to go on a race with Flash. You think Justice League is going to end with a fucking Flash race? No. Fuck Whedon. No. It would be amazing if it did, in, though. That'd be funny. Yeah, it, 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 it happened. You've seen it. I, and I do love that it's, it exists because that's the Superman that I want to see from Henry Cavill. I also think within the scheme of Snyder, it's an insult. We but didn't I talk about J.J. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, but like, um, I just, I see what you're saying. Like, I, I like the experience of watching Justice League. I think it's fun to go through what happened there. But now the more I look into it, the more I'm like, eh, he just took the money and ran. But whereas whereas Batman v Superman, I guarantee you that episode, I'm going to do a lot of research and it's going to be, I'm going to come to the table disagreeing with you, sir. And I can not you, Zach, but Snyder. Or I'm sorry, not you, Zach and Chris, but Snyder himself. Like, I saw what you did, sir, and I disagree with you, you and Rand believing motherfucker. Like, I just don't agree with you. And I, I want to fucking fight that. I disagree with his take on Watchmen. I disagree with his take on Sucker Punch. Like, I disagree with the guy, and it's fun to argue. Whereas, like, Whedon just doesn't try in that movie. He just took the money and ran. And that's less interesting to me at the end of the day for what I want from a movie. But I will say, it, the, the, the metaphor is, do you want to hang out with someone who you disagree with on every point in life, or do you want to hang out with someone who's kind of stupid and just, like, annoyingly at times? I don't know. It was just like, for me, it was just like, okay, well, like, I could either watch a movie that I don't mind. Somebody took several million dollars and just crapped out another movie. I mean, it's that's go that seems to be that seems to be going around these days. Um, um, anyway, that yeah. was, that was 
Like, um, or it's just a movie that is so beautiful and yet so wasteful of its plot, and that just pissed me off the entire time. No, I just, just I like, think frustrated me out. Of, this frustrated me out of confusion. And I was just like, I can't do this. Anymore. I just can't. Well, the, thing about, the thing about me is it is it's a visual medium. I believe in silent film and imagery to be just as important and powerful sometimes as storytelling. And while I don't think that his movies are good movies, I do think that like you can put them on mute sometimes and they're beautiful. Like I would love like there are times where I just want to take drugs and look at his movies sometimes, but I also don't really care about them. And I wouldn't care if I changed the channel in ten minutes. Like, it would be more interesting if I was compelled by them, but they're also just beautiful to look at. So is Wizard of Oz. So is Avatar. So are, like, so are silent. There's a bunch of silent movies that I love that I just, I don't care about the story, but the imagery to them. God, Casper Noah. Like, there's so many people I love just because they make movies that are beautiful. There's a lot of Pixar movies. I love the Secret Life of Pets films. Just to put them on mute and just I love their fake New York setup. That that stuff is beautiful to me. This is these are moving pictures. This is a language about visuals. I just don't agree with what he's saying, but I am impressed with the visuals he's giving you. Bard, like Man of Steel, I was watching that thing and I'm like, yes, this is a beautiful movie that gives me things that are amazing and it's just beautiful to look at. And yes, I disagree with it, which is like that means that one day someone may be able to look at his imagery and be like, I want to make something that beautiful, but do it right. That means somebody got that close, but they were just also wrong. Chris, wake up. Hey, I'm, I'm awake. I just lost Alex for a second. Oh, oh, oh wake up. There you go. Hey, what's up? Hi. I just think it's funny we live in a world where a guy can make some of the most beautiful movies in the world, but also I don't like them. I just think it's right. Funny. That's hilarious. That to me is so funny. But it's also that's it's moving imagery. Like there's more than just the story, but also the story is the most important thing. It's so crazy. Um, anyway, what I watched this week is amazing. First of all, apparently when you don't have to do another podcast that's just filled with a slew of films. And uh, it's a big thing. You got a lot more time on your hands when work doesn't work you like a fucking dog. Yeah, apparently you have more time on your hands to watch movies because I can't see anybody yet. I have one more shot to get in two weeks before I can really um, go out and see people and do things and apply the actual vaccine. Um, but I watched a slew of movies. I rewatched um, Detroit Rock City, which um, was a great comedy, but it's like it taught me. It's it's an onslaught of music. It's about four friends who want to go to a kids concert. It was made in the nineties, and it's not it's it's nostalgic for me. It's not a good comedy, but like every single scene is driven by a rock song from the seventies. But they don't finish the song, so it's like being in a car with someone who's constantly shuffling songs and not finishing it. And you're like, God damn it, just fucking end end in a song. Use a score. Do something. It's so annoying. And I just was like, how did I like this movie as a kid? I, wa- I rewatched Cable Guy with Jim Carrey, which is amazing. Everyone should see that movie again. Popstar with An- Andy Samberg, which is amazing. Lars and the Real Girl, that's amazing. And then I just showed Brian and my roommates uh, Stretch. So I'm just showing people Stretch, man. Putting that movie out there. Love that movie. Um, <laughs> but the new movies I watched, I watched Interstellar 55555. And that's amazing, if you like anime. Uh, and Daft Punk. I watched No Man Land. Um, that movie's gorgeous. 
And out of all of the awards movies, I think it's the one that I relate to the most. Just being an Air Force brat, moving around a lot, going on a lot of road trips, kind of being a lone wolf on my own aspects emotionally. But um, I don't know if it's the best picture of the year. It's I don't know if it's my favorite, but it certainly is one of my favorite dramas of the year. It's just gorgeous, and I responded to that character so much. I like that it's the kind of movie that I could play, that I could step into any time on TV and finish and be just fine. Or I could start over right when it's done and go back to. I, I feel like you could just play that at any moment and the movie's perfect. Um, highly suggest everyone watch it. Francis McDormand is great. Um, <clears throat> I watched Blackboard Jungle from the 50s because it was in the book, but then also it's about a, a students against teachers, which is kind of what's going on with Harry Potter. And we'll get into that. And um, Sidney Poitier, because it's Black History Month and I haven't seen that movie with him yet. Um, and he's really good in it. Uh, he's a 28-year-old playing like a high school kid, which I think is hilarious. But <laughs> it's still pretty good. Um, but I'm going to talk about the two movies that really fucking got me. So I found this movie called Dead Man's Shoes in the book. And it stars Patty Constantine. It's from 2004. It's, guys... This movie was fucking good, but really, really hardcore. It's about a guy who goes to an Englander who goes to the war and then comes back to seek revenge on the small time criminal gangsters in his town who bullied and harassed his mentally challenged little brother. And you spend the time with the criminals and you're like watching them go from like English guys that want to be Guy Ritchie, like Goodfellas type guys to be broken down to just scared guys, scared guys, scared for their friends. There's a man that's going to kill them all. And he's going to, he's playing with them. And it's, it's a horror movie. It's, it's like, if you're watching a, it's like a Guy Ritchie snaps, lock, sock and two smoking barrels. If it was a grindhouse, 1970s slasher movie, it's amazing. It was amazing with a fantastic twist in the end. That movie did not fuck around. Great soundtrack. I loved it. Dead Man's Shoes. Um, I think you would like the idea, Chris, but it's really hard to watch. One thing that really impressed me, though, debut performance of Toby Cabell, and he's fantastic in it and would go on to be Kong and in uh, um, Infinity War and... Um, uh, Koba in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Great actor. I really, really love that guy. Uh, underutilized, I think, these days. Uh, great movie, Dead Man's Shoes. Man, so good. There's a, so many great quotable things. Hardcore and depressing. So I'm like, this movie was fantastic. How can I actually top this movie? And I look around and I'm like, I don't know if I can top this, but let's see if I can find something interesting. And I see something that called Bad Boy Bubby. Bad Boy Bubby is a movie from 1993. Ah, this has got to be one of my favorite film experiences I've watched in a long time. It is about a guy who... Ah, he's 35 years old and I'm going to be 35 next month. So this is one of the big reasons I wanted to watch this. But the 35-year-old uh, Australian guy whose mom has kept him in his room his entire life told him that if he goes outside, there's poison gas. And if that doesn't kill you, God will. 
and he only he's an idiot man and he just repeats whatever his mom says he repeats things he tortures cats he has sex with his mom um and then the dad comes back in and it wreaks havoc on his life because he's not wearing a gas mask and he can come and go as he pleases and he's having sex with mom and i'm acting like him mom why don't you like me and then he ends up killing his parents there's actual animal abuse in this movie and it was hard to watch and then he leaves the house and it became one of the most heartwarming experiences i've ever seen in such a long time guys this guy grows so much he falls in love he gets a job he becomes the lead of a band chris you'd love this it's, it's amazing it's he he can speak to people with seropalsy and understand them, so he forms relationships with them. It's such, it's so amazing to watch this guy try to survive in the world. And there's even a point where he's like, "I don't, I can't be a part of this society." And then there's a point. Imagine only knowing the world in a room, breaking out, and like, here's one of the most interesting things about it. Every time he goes somewhere new, they used a different cinematographer. They used 39 different cinematographers to portray the different ways that he sees the world when he goes somewhere else. So the first time he leaves the room, which is like a David Lynch nightmare, it's a 1990s beautiful, like Scorsese kind of uh, landscape of a 90s Hollywood set. And you're like, this is what the world would look like to him. And then he goes to a party and he eats pizza. Dude, they take soul. He eats pizza for the first time. And he goes, he's the greatest thing ever. It was so cool. And then, <laughs> oh my God, it was so amazing. Um, so he, but there's a point in the movie where he has gone through the system. He goes to jail. And like, even then he's like, I, I, I don't know how I can work in this society. And he hears music at a church and he walks in and he's like, I kind of know God. And I guess God is ashamed of me. And then this guy who's playing the organ at the church pulls him aside and he takes him to a machinery plant. And he shows him this entire infrastructure of metal and machinery and things. And he goes, God doesn't exist. And your, jo your job in life is to push him out of his existence, to live. And you're, just the idea of atheism to this guy, it's, it, he's looking at him and he's like, you it's too big. All of this is too big. The concept of God is too big for you. And I will say this, Chris, it was an incredibly atheist movie and that was the point of it. And they were like legitimately saying it. And I did respond to it on those terms as a story. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily for everybody. In fact, the director has come out and said, even now, 30 years later, it's appalling. People are appalled and loving this film equally, but it is an amazing story about somebody who breaks past these barriers that have been set from him as a child. He keeps making mistakes, but at the end of the day, people empathizing with him, loving him, and his ability to love other people. He goes from torturing cats to just trying to keep one alive. It's amazing. It was an amazing experience. I never thought I would get it from this movie. I thought it was just going to be depressing and gross and weird. And it turned out to be one of the most beautiful, heartwarming experiences ever that also had a little bit of animal abuse in it. Bad Boy Bubby. Highly, highly fucking suggested. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
It was beautiful. But he, for the first time where he gets up on stage and starts to sing, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I was so happy for him. I was so happy. He just starts saying these things that have happened to him and everyone's responding. It was beautiful. Oh, it was amazing. How, how important music is in that film. I, it spoke to me on a level that nothing has in a long time. Really loved it. And again, just to counter for, just to counter for Chris, I also suggest Stalker, a movie not too long ago that I watched. That that's awesome. what it was called. That's a what it was very called. powerful state, which again is another movie that once I watched, I was like, God, what a powerful statement on faith. This movie was a powerful statement against it, but at the same time, it, there's a different reason for both to exist and why they exist and why they're important as pieces of work for themselves as voices for those artists. I may disagree with that person, but what they've made uh, like stalker is something I don't, I don't agree with on a like personal level, but I agree with it on an artistic level. I believe that everything that that person made in that movie was to make the thing that he wanted and to say the thing he wanted to say. Whereas in like, Batman v Superman, like everything is made to do that, but all of it doesn't make it an enjoyable watch. Stalker is an enjoyable watch if you know the key to open the door to understand that movie. Then it's like, oh my god, everything makes sense and it works. Like I don't agree with it, but still I'm amazed at how you put this thing together and made such a solid argument for something. Whereas like BVS is like, oh god, all of this is like you made a house, but like no one, no one would ever want to live in this. No one would ever want to live in this. What are you talking about? This is the most inhuman house ever. Just ugh. And I, yeah. That's how I feel about that. Cool. All right. So, do we want to talk about Harry Potter then? Okay. So, I don't know about you guys, but I think Wanda Maximoff needs to go to Hogwarts. Look like it. Probably. Like, imagine if she had a wand. I don't think she wand. needs it. It's in her name. Wand. Oh, God. You walked right into that. Yes. Didn't even did. see it. Didn't even see it coming. Exactly. Seen well coming. done. You didn't see that coming? You didn't see that coming. Um. Man, I had a really good joke about Peter. Oh yeah, like Zach called him Peter. <laughs> Zach called him Peter, and Peter's not here. So like, what if like if Peter had heard that he was the one? So he goes back in time and whispers in Joss Whedon's ear, "He should kill Pietro. His name's Peter, actually." <laughs> well, in fairness, the Peter we saw is Peter Maximoff from Days of Future Past. Did it again? What? Anyway. Um, okay, so Order of the Phoenix, yes. So, oh my so Chris, god, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my god, Chris, what's your thoughts? Did you like it? It was another Harry Potter movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like I it honestly or? don't know, I honestly don't know. There's a lot I like. Okay, um, before we get deeper into that, Chris, what did you think about the ending with our good friend, uh, Gary Oldman? Hey Alex. No, oh, never mind. We already <laughs> asked that question. Um, you had something for uh, David Yates. <laughs> he wants to avoid the subject. 
No, I don't. I just want to. I just want to make sure we get this done. Well, right. we no, we we already talked about David Yates because he is the director of the original two movies. In terms of how he got into the series, it's the same thing. Like, he okay. started out. He started out in British television. State of play was the biggest thing. In this case, what's different is, uh, in terms of what I would explain his entrance into this and why he's stuck around and worked so well he brought in his own editor which he's worked with on television which i think is why these movies work so well in the last few runs in terms of having consistency to them um but he also brought in a really interesting writer which i think understood these characters more in this film than in the last ones and um, I think when I look at Yates in this world in these films, I look at it the way I do David Lynch or Mitch Hedberg and how they explain their process, which is very much meditation and ca- that the ideas are out there and that you just catch them. That they as artists are not coming up with them. They are just conduits for ideas that are always out there and that anybody could get these ideas. They are just the ones who decided to fish for them. So I, I feel like Yates just he just gets this world he's he is the conduit for this thing the perfection of the harry potter world i just think he gets it so so well and understands it so fluidly that he is just the thing that makes this perfection exist and the best adaptation to these to these books period because jk rowling should not be in charge of the movies and chris chris columbus was out and you can't have something as specific and detailed in every film as uh, the third one, because that's more about the playfulness of the nature of film uh, on a story that can allow that to happen. This this is more war-focused. Things need to be more about character and about world-building and make more sense. And he just seems to understand that more than anybody else and has not left. He is stuck with this world, and I think he is perfect for it, and I hope he continues to make Stuff like this, and because uh, I think he's a good action filmmaker, I think he's a good British filmmaker, and yeah. I feel bad that the fantastic these movies are not working script wise because he's doing everything in his power to make them work. So, this is actually one of my favorites uh, up there. I like Order of the Phoenix a lot. It's very fun in a lot of ways. It has, in my opinion, the best sequence in the whole trilogy. Or the whole series, which is the uh, which is the uh, the Dumbledore's army uh, sequence. It's like that two minute shot where they're sh- just kind of doing the training sequence, and they have the the Patronus thing, and everyone's kind of figuring everything out, and it's just really fun. Yeah, I do love that moment. And it just it feels so Harry Potter, like at yeah. everything. Like like we could talk. We'll talk a lot about when we get Deathly Hallows Part Two about like the scope of Harry Potter and how big it feels at times but this that moment right there where they just had that nice you know they had that beautiful music rendition going on they had all the characters running around and doing stuff and harry's coming into his own and he's helping everyone and it just feels like a magic school like like they're going to school and it's just one of my favorites I, i love it everything about it it's so fun it's it's in my opinion one of the most iconic scenes in the whole series it it's just great. Also, I like Ivana Lynch. How she got hired was so interesting. She, um, uh, for reference, Chris, Ivana Lynch plays Luna Lovegood. She is. Uh, she got the role because she won a contest that J.K. Rowling ran about being the most knowledgeable in the whole franchise. Period. 
She's the biggest Potterhead in the world, guaranteed. She won I thought the role. that was Alex. Oh, sorry, you meant uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. She, uh, she won, hey. and people have argued <laughs> that that she is the only person on that set beyond J.K. Rowling herself who could answer questions as necessary and needed. She she's very smart. She after she finished <laughs> Potter, she went off and joined Team Star Kids for a year, which is the team that Darren Chris started and did a bunch of Harry Potter stuff. And then she just kind of went off and did her own thing and that and she doesn't really act anymore. So she she kind of just does her thing. But she's she plays the role perfectly. She's she, yeah, I just I like this movie. It's really fun. There's a lot going for it. I um, like I, I like father's okay, relationship that Harry and Sirius get in this movie and I love that as soon as he gets that, that character is taken away. Um, it gives us the introduction of Helen Boehm Carter, who is one of the best secondary villains in the whole franchise. Um, it gives us tons of backstory about like these characters that we haven't known about. There, It has, in my opinion, one of the best villains. I think Umbridge is just horrible, and she gets her comeuppance at the end. Um, She's awful. Yeah, she is just awful, and she kind of gets her comeuppance at the end, and then other things happen. Um, but I, it's really, really, really fun. Everything about this movie is a school movie. It's a movie about a school. It, it, at the end of the day, you can talk about how it's building to a war and everything else, and obviously that stuff's there too. But at the end of the day, this is a movie about kids in school. Like high school. This is about kids mm. in high school. And... And, and all the basic themes are there, and it, it it does it well. It's fun. Everything about this movie is fun. I like this movie. I, I am a pothead. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> not a pothead though, right? I I think. God, well, how was I trying to phrase this before? Um, finally, this is a goddamn Harry Potter movie. Harry Potter movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking thank you. Yes, this is what I want. Yeah. This to me is Harry this is Harry Potter. This is my favorite Harry Potter movie. Um, this is. Um, I I love. The first one, it's nostalgic as hell, and I think it gets things right. The second one is a sharper version of it, but the first one is the idea that got it right. So yeah. there's a nostalgic, there's a nostalgic energy that I have to that one. The third one is a technical wonder. It's like Muppet Caper. It's it's like a Jim Henson movie. Like every scene is a technical wonder. And if you just like the idea of Harry Potter, it's a great movie to just go to and enjoy that world with. If you love filmmaking, this movie is the best Harry Potter movie, period. It understands it best. It, uh, it like Every scene and transition is interesting, but it's not too fancy. It doesn't take away. It's all within the world itself. It's yeah. so character-driven. It builds the world perfectly. I think it's the perfect balance of saying that he needs to go to this school, but also there's an oncoming war that's going to happen for the, that's going to take the basis of the next couple films. In yeah. fact, the next film, there's like this vibe of why are we even going to this school anyway yeah. now? 
why what are we even doing here why don't we all just prepare for the war it's yeah. kind of that's why i think that this it's, it's a little downhill from here into the last movie and even then i think this movie i agree the climax at the end is so good when it transfers from like uh these great framed shots within that room with the um the memory room or the the prophecy room and then when it gets to handheld after Sirius dies and he's chasing Helen Von Carter, like that stuff is really interesting to me. So, I think it's a great action scene between um, Dumbledore and Voldemort too. Like that that scene reminded me a like what Willow did at the end, and I was like, this is my I've got Willow vibes here. But also I was like, this is amazing God. looking. This is amazing looking. I'm I like, mean, yeah, this is how wizard fights should be. That scene gets me so jazzed for like hopefully where fantastic beats will eventually go where the last movie is going to be like stuff like that. And I'm just so excited to see some of that because like, so, so, so to emphasize this, I, I'm not going to go about the rest of my, order, but my top three always have been prisoner of Azkaban, definitely all part two and this, and definitely all part two only gets above this because it pays everything off. And it, yeah, it's it, a conclusion for a lot of people, it, but to it, me, this is the best one. This is the yeah. best one. This is a better. This is the one that I understand. This is like, like there is a there's a magic to this cinematic world that yeah. for more than for three specific filmmakers, this has been worked brilliantly. Yeah. Like Chris Columbus understood this world perfectly for kids. Um, Inuatu came in and was like, this is how fun this world could be for a filmmaker. And this is the guy who came in and said, this is how you adapt Harry Potter. Yeah. This is how because the Order of the Phoenix is the longest book. It's the least liked book, and this is like they came in and were like, "Cut all the fat, all the fat, and we're gonna make it about all. We're gonna pick up all the emotional pieces of the last movies that have been dangling, and we're just gonna start focus things here a little bit more." They lose the threads in the next one because they don't have the same writer. But this writer came in and was like, "Ah, chop, 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 chop. This is what this really needs to be based off the films and not just the book, know, but also loved the book." I'm I'm I love this movie I do and this one obviously oftentimes does switch places with Deathly Hallows Part Two but I, I still do think like obviously Prisoner is just good because it's a technical masterpiece that it's hard like me as a person who likes to study technical stuff and all that it's hard to like not love that movie and not say it's just the best Harry Potter movie but as a Harry Potter movie about a movie that's an adaptation of Harry Potter or a Phoenix can sound so good so perfect it it's a fun movie it's it's everything you want it to be and more it just i i, I yeah. like like it's when chris was talking about the things he I wanted from harry potter and the things that i wanted from harry potter i was like this is it this is the thing like i think it yeah. gets too emo in the later films i also think it gets too bogged up in in world building for me yeah. to care but this is the first one where it's I, like Hey man, you're like I'm. I'm sick and tired of adults. He even says it too. He's like, guys, like I'm just a dude who's lucky. But at the end of the day, you can die in seconds. So yeah. why don't we all learn what we're doing here? Because so, I'm constantly getting almost murdered yeah. here, and it looks like it's going to happen to everybody I'm, now. So beyond, let's all learn. It's awesome. beyond, beyond Prisoner of Azkaban, Order of the Phoenix has been the movie I've gone back to the most. I love Order of the Phoenix. It, it really has become one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's really fun, though. Like, like I, I love this movie. It's it's really fun. It it just I can't get enough of this movie. 
I actually, hindsight, haven't watched Deathly Hallows Part 2 as much as I'd like to think I have. But, like, this movie, I, I've, I've watched this movie 30 times at least. Like, I love this movie. It's this was the, this was the one I remembered the least. This is the one where I was like, God, what do you need this one or do you need Half Blood Prince? I've seen Half Blood Prince more because of television, yeah. um, but this is the one that like I, I guess I just kept missing in terms of marathons. But watching it now, I'm like, no, this is it. This gets yeah. it. This gets yeah. everything. This gets everything. Nails it perfectly. Like. It's yeah. it's perfect. If Ron is perfect, Hermione's everyone's perfect. The moment they get to school and they're like, Harry, you, you you we don't believe you. What's the first thing Ron does? He's like, I believe him. I'm his fucking friend. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Like yeah. you get it. This movie fucking gets it. I was like, thank you for putting me on the exact emotional track that this needs to be on. Like it's not like that need it's not like I'm a huge book fan, but like as watching these films, I'm like, Ron would never do that. And they come in and they make that same situation where like everyone's against him and Ron's like immediately like, no, this is my friend and I believe him. And it's like perfect, good, right out the way. Yeah, we need that. It's awesome. I loved it. Um, so Chris, what did you what how was your experience? All right. Oh God. Um so I watched it with mom. Again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I liked. There's just like uh, there's something there that I can't nail down. That's just like I'm like I, I really don't know what to think of this movie overall. It's just like there's a lot that I like that I can't think of anything to complain about except for that one dumb pink bitch. Um, yeah, Umbridge. Yeah, she's well, a she's dumb... a bitch, but like, it's fun when you have a villain that's so bad, that's so despicable yeah. that you see them get their comeuppance at the end, and she gets it. I don't even it feels so good because she's Zach. Like, she did the, not get a, her comeuppance. There are three movies she didn't. left. Well, yeah, she didn't. A, she was not murdered by the centaurs. She was suspended by the council, so she survived. But it is nice to know that she's not the teacher anymore. Outside of that, yeah, she, to me, is not somebody that you can beat. You can take her away, but people like her exist, and that's the point for yeah. Harry Potter to realize that there are people out there that will, like, that enjoy power, that enjoy using power to abuse other people, that's all they want is to sit in a room and scrape people by their hands. Excuse and me. that that like watching that now, it's like that's what Harry Potter is learning. He's like, no one's going to help you when that happens. Like there's going to be people in the world that are going to enjoy beating you to a pulp and enjoy making you their slave. So you need to be able to step out of the way and beat them. Like there's a lot about this movie I enjoy that are particularly based on. But I, I didn't say this the last movie either in terms of fetishes. In the last movie, Shape of Water, I'll say because there's fish people, and they say fish people. Um, uh, and in this movie, sadomasochism. Oh, yeah, God. That's yes, the fetish here. Sadomasochism 100%. I, I got to be honest, though. Like, when a villain is so despicable that you, you love to hate that person, that I think they oh. get it. Like, Joffrey is another example of a character that you just hate so much that you just want to see it. And then for a long time, you don't get it, and then you get it. But, um... It's nice to see him poisoned. Yeah, she she is she's such she's so good in this. I I, I as much as I I want to hate her, I'm like she is I, I oh good. 
I'm I'm trying to remember who the actress who plays her is. And what else? It it's Imelda Stanton. What was she in? I'm gonna see what else she was in. Give me a second. Uh, because this she's a big theater actor by the looks of it. I mean, she 150 plays. I'm I'm looking at her thing right now. Like between Essex, Nottingham, London, Chinchester. I mean, just she's done everything. And she's won hundreds of awards of this. Uh, as far as films concerned, um, Vera Drake. Ooh. She was the lead in that. Um, oh, yeah. She was in Paddington, where she played Aunt Lucy. Oh, I can't wait to go back to that movie. It's been a long time, and I still haven't seen the sequel yet. Uh, it's and, sick well, what else is she in? She was in Citizen X, but she was a minor role. She was in Shakespeare oh, wow. in Love. Oh, so she's been around for a while. Yeah, she's done stuff. Uh, the the earliest thing she's known that I think you guys would know was... Well, she started in the 80s. So, um, uh, Much Ado About Nothing. Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, the Brennan one? Uh, the Michael Keaton Keanu Reeves one. Yes, yeah, Brana, yeah, Brana, yeah, that's a yeah, good yeah. one. That's a good one. Yep, she played Margaret. So, mm. so uh, yeah, she's bitching this. She's, she's a mean old villain, mean old terrible person in this. Yeah, so she 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 does Shakespeare. She's done lots of Shakespeare, uh, which is not surprising. She probably it does surprise me that she probably plays a lot of villains. Um, so she. Yeah, she's done a lot of TV too. Looks like she's done TV since the '80s too. She, uh, uh, David Copperfield, um, the classics, all the classics. Yeah, it's classic stuff. I mean, The Crown. She's she's been in the she's in The Crown. Oh, people fucking love The Crown. People love The Crown. She plays Elizabeth. Made by the guy who made The Queen. I really want to watch The Crown because I love she, The Queen. So she much. uh she plays Queen Elizabeth uh the second so. Yeah. Good reason to go yeah, into this. She's, she's kind of been around. She a lot of Shakespeare, lots of Shakespeare. But, but you know, uh, I, I, mean, I mean, you take any of the older actors in the, this franchise, you're gonna see a lot of Shakespeare in their their resumes. So, <laughs> so Chris, what is so she, there's just wasn't much you got out of this. Um. Well, let, let me put it this way: if you're not seeing it as a single film, then how do you feel about it in the terms of the overarching story? I'm blanking, like, honestly. You know. just don't care? You just don't give it's a shit? I, it's not that I don't care, just... It's like, oh, God. So... There's just something there that I can't identify where I'm having trouble, like... Like, properly grading this ahead of time. It's just like, there's a lot that I like. Um, I can go through it. Um... Like, God, I hated that woman. Um, <laughs> um, the idea that Hogwarts has gone corporate, that was a funny gag that me and mom had. Um, yeah. Hogwarts gone corporate. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Not necessarily that it had gone corporate, but that the government had stepped in. Yeah. So that moment where uh, Umbridge, like, does that spell where Harry writes down something and it's engraved into his hand. That wasn't um, a, was a that was a magical item, but yes. 
That has a spell on it. Whatever. It's all the same. Um, well, at the same time, Chris, I want to say this. If we do a Star Wars episode and you start correcting us about bullshit. <laughs> that is true. Um, Let me tell you, Chris, I'll remind you of this. <laughs> um, and if we ever so... watch Twin Peaks and you guys misname that little midget that talks backwards, I'm going to get real mad. Hey, that midget had a family. He did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's an evil being. He's being from another dimension. Get it right or pay the price. Hey, hey, Alex, you don't know if he didn't have family in that evil dimension. I think I maybe, do. I've seen maybe it. Maybe I've seen the family series. people backwards. I know where he came from. You know? I know oh. where he came from. I finished the show. Oh. <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know his war- his story. I do. I, I don't know you, but I do know his story. He's a character I've seen the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm proud of you, Alex. Microphone. Microphone. Get that dick out of your Hello. There you go. How'd you like that dick there, Alex? Uh, it was fantastic. It was better than arguing with you about bullshit. Good. <laughs> uh, so I mean, but yeah, that's the thing. Alex, Microphone. Dick, your dick. Come on. Get out. Hello. I didn't even touch it that time. Hello? <laughs> All right. You Can good? you hear me? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. We'll let you know if you got a dick in your mouth again. Cool. Uh, that's thank you. Um, I. So Chris, I. So you're just kind of not care. What is it about this that you're not that you're not connected it's just to like, It's just. Well, I feel like okay. you're. So like here's my thing. Like this is this is the movie where I think Harry finally just snapped. Yeah. So, like, for the last four movies, he has been told not to get involved. He has been told the vague stuff about who his family was, who his parents were. And everybody's telling him, don't do stuff. It's too dangerous. And everybody's protecting him terribly. And he's just like, and then it's that scene after he woke up from, after uh, Mr. Weasley um gets attacked by wait who my mom pointed out was nagini yes Um, and um so there was just like um there was where i wrote down in my notes finally as in when he just looks at him after like um dumbledore's just thinking to himself in that office and he's just sweating there breathing like he probably is nauseous and he just screams look at me and then he just finally stops. It's just like, look at it's just like, what is happening to me? It's like that's four years in the making. That's four years in the making. Just yeah. ah, every bit of it was in that line. Daniel Radcliffe, salute you, my friend. Um, you don't know me. Um, <laughs> it's okay, he um, wants to know you. Um, well, he better not show up to my house with uh, guns nailed to his hands, um, like he did that one time. I'll take him uh, out that. That scared me a lot. You saw um, that movie? No. Um, dude, Guns Kimbo's great. You should. It's not great. It's okay. One. The idea of it, I'm pretty sure, it was more fun than the movie itself. Um, movie's kind of a chore if you can't get into it. Um, and then after that, um, no, it wasn't after that, but before that, where um, Harry was like, um, 
there he got that hand like I was saying earlier, like that he got his hand engraved, and then Hermione's like, We need to talk to Dumbledore. He's like, Harry's like, No, what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Really? Yeah, like seriously, all he's gonna do is probably just gonna do the same thing he did for four years, just be vague and just like help out, like non directly. He's just like, I'm like, Harry's sick of it now. He's had to put up with this for four you years. Have to one thing um, he's done. I'd be done. You have to be, you have to admit one thing though. Dumbledore's no. got style. <laughs> um, ah, I made a movie reference. Ah, yeah, you uh, you did. I saw that. I I, I get that. Um, oh, speaking of Harry, this was his best haircut. Yeah, I just I have like to say, I gotta point it out. That's the best prime Harry Potter haircut. haircut. He keeps it for the next three movies, which is no, nice. he doesn't. Um, what, what he draws more out the back. Yeah, I mean, whatever. That's fine. No, it's not the same though. Um, oh yeah, that part where uh, Umbridge kicked out um, Four Eyes, the uh... Emma Thompson. Yes, um, I wrote down "fuck that bitch." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, fuck that. Um, agreed. That um, of course Neville's the one who finds the room where they all practice magic because he's the chosen one, um, and everybody knows that. Not yet. Yeah, good, good call. I will also say Harry is the best teacher at Hogwarts. Yes. Yes. By far. Not well, even. I mean, no, 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 no. By far. No one else can compare. He's, he's the most active, I mean, the most engaged, the most engaging. Like he's like he's into it. He's not just like you must learn these spells, or I'll slap you in the back of the head with a book. Um. What about Professor I mean, Snape, Snape, Yeah, Snape is actually trying to teach him something important. Yeah, just him. Just yeah. him. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's not like that to anybody else. He's not holding yeah, a wand to his head and reading his mind. I mean, yeah, but he also has a reason for him to do it. He's the one who legitimately hates his father for getting bullied by him, and is going to push Harry Potter for being a goddamn spoiled little rich brat. Dumbledore knows that he has this resentment, and that if he's the one who's trying to push into Potter's mind, Potter's going to fight him the most, and therefore have the most strength when he has to meet Voldemort. It is a shitty Dumbledore sneaky move. It's why his plan works and why everyone hates him. It's true. Uh, but but also I I think you're you're misunderstanding because Lupin was a great teacher. Lupin the third, Lupin yeah, great teacher. teacher. Ha, no, but Lupin, yeah, Lupin in this in his movies was good. Yeah, he was a good teacher. Uh, no, but, not as good as Harry. Harry was infinitely better. But even, but even yeah, I don't know about infinite. But even no, Lupin no, as a no, teacher in the third movie Much was better. that that Boggart class was a wonderful example of this. I, I do. Let me put it this way. I feel like this is a really good. Harry didn't need no damn Bogart. I I can tell you right now. I think that Harry himself would say that there's probably really much better teachers than him. But I do think the whole point of this movie, like Zach said, and like you're seeing here, Chris, is that the moment where he's teaching those kids, that's where he becomes Harry Potter. Like there's no prophecy that explains that. He just is helping people. He just is leading people genuinely. Honestly, I don't. I can see why, like Hermione, would not be good for something like this. She's too OCD. She's too bratty of a teacher. She offers homework for fun, and Ron's too flaky. Harry's the perfect medium, and like it just works. He's not. He is the Ray. He's not. A, he's not. Um, don't don't get me into Ray comparisons, please. Like, don't get me into that. I, I, 
Dude, I'm sorry. Rise of Skywalker made it very clear when they ripped this fucking shit off. But ah! Especially when Fantastic Beast came in and made an Anakin Skywalker they with Ezra Miller. Like, the whole point is that he is, does not have any magical power that's different than anybody else. There's nothing special about him. And he's starting to realize that now, that there has to be mechanics and conspiracies around him to help him. It's not because he's doing this magically and he has some... He's just... He's just a thing that's in this machine of good and evil, and he's tired of being a tool. He wants to be an adult and be part of it. And Sirius, not being his actual family, and instead seeing Potter as his father and seeing him as the friend that he lost. In fact, he calls him James in the middle of the ending before he dies. He calls Potter James. Like, it's just, he misses his uh, old friend so much he teaches his... Treats his son like his friend. So when Potter is like, I want to get out there and fight, of course Sirius is like, absolutely. And to a certain extent, Sirius is right. And in my opinion, was right in the last movie. Like, I I feel like Half-Blood Prince is unneeded. I also feel like the beginning of um, uh, Deathly Hollows is needed. I don't think that first movie is needed either. I think you could have clean this, cleanly done this in six movies. Now that I'm watching this. I, I mean, think I'm there's great things about those other movies maybe you can do deathly hollows in two movies and add the things from half-blood prince to it i think you can do the things in half-blood prince in deathly hollows part one and have it work but i don't think you need one of those movies one of those movies was, can go but i, was, I like I that was this gonna, i was gonna properly. say i was gonna say alex for sure uh all <clears> the content <throat> between half-blood prince and deathly hollows part one for sure could have been cut down and combined into one movie I, yeah, and, and like, I, but again, the things that I like about this movie is that it gets it right back on track. The thing that we talked about in the last movie is the ending where, like, Hermione is, you know, excited she's going to get a boyfriend, things change, and Potter's like, yeah, a guy died. And they make that abundantly clear here, where yep. he's like, you guys just don't get it. And she's like, what have we got? And it's like, because he's he saw a man die, and no one believes yeah. him. It's, and the only people well, that do believe well, hold he still on, can't hold, talk hold, to him hold about on, hold on. Because that, he's feeling distant and afraid because he's the one who saw a man die and he so, feels guilty, not his friends. What's up? I, I would agree with you to an extent, but there is one character who does kind of get it, and it's the character that ends up empathizing with Harry the most this movie, but like nobody believes because she's yeah, Luna. crazy. Luna. Luna, the character who introduces him to Thestrals and to the, the much more weird side of things, she's like, You can see them, you've seen death. Well, she that's did- another thing that, yeah. I like she as gets well. it. She gets it, but she doesn't know exactly. But she gets it enough to be like, "I understand this, and I believe you because there's just a thing about you, even if you don't want to talk." About it. And then there's the whole thing of if you look in the background, especially on the mirror in the room of requirement, he puts Cedric's picture up along with the Order of the Phoenix, and there's that moment with him and Cho Chang right before Christmas where she's like. I fucking miss Cedric. And he's like, we all do. And then yeah. they locked lips because and, and he then does they, that. And she ended up crying a bunch because, you know, her boyfriend got fucking murdered. Again, a thing that I wanted to see carry off into this movie, which I liked. I was happy yes. about it. But I, I again, it, it just, and I, I do think that there's some good Jenny moments in this, but uh, again, off on the side, I don't know if it's necessarily paid off better in other films, but I, I'm, I like the. I also like when he is going into his mind, his own mind, and you can see those flashbacks to like Voldemort and those other things. That editing is awesome. 
And those Honestly, like those dream sequences are fucking cool. After I watching really this movie, I, I I think more so than anything, I think Harry should have gotten with Cho Chang. I'm gonna be honest. Like they've been hinting at this for like two movies at this point. You know, you they, know? they spend more time with her in the movies than they do the books, and in the books it seems like Jenny is like the popular hot girl that yeah. everyone wants. She's like the hot girl in school that everyone wants anyway, that ends up with Harry anyway. Like yeah. that just ends up happening. Where I mean, in my opinion, movie, it should have been her mind. It makes more sense for it to be like Cho Chang because she gets a lot of time. Nah, dude, Hermione or Luna, I would say. Even that, like, it, they put the work into Cho Chang, sure, but she like has the whole Cedric thing, and maybe it works now because she obviously, they think that she betrayed him. She was probably put under a spell, and that may come into play later. But even if it does, we all know that he didn't doesn't they, end up. Didn't they outwardly say it was the Veridescent? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, we, yes, but like they know that, but we never see a scene with them actually uh, talk to Cho about it. So oh, whether sure, it comes sure, back sure, or sure. not, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't matter because like it doesn't matter because he spends time with Ginny in the next movie anyway. So yeah, uh, I, we're kind of done. But I would like yeah. the fact that he spent more time with Luna here. He was legitimately like trying to spend time with Luna, and I was also, like, There's and that that kind of continues. That really kind of continues into the next like two movies too, like. There's a lot of moments with that, and then obviously there's parts in the third movie where the trio and Luna are together doing stuff. She she kind of is feels like that, but I feel like Luna. You know, actually, and I don't care about spoiling this because this isn't in in the movies at all. Luna actually ends up getting together with Newt Scamander's grandson. Good for her. Which is really interesting. That, uh, that that's like another weird connection to the Fantastic Beasts movies that end up rolling through is that the person that Harry probably should have gotten with ends up going with uh, the character that everyone thinks Harry should go with. Or no, I'm confused. I don't. I, whatever. He should I, be with Hermione. He should be with Hermione. Uh, but at the end of the day. Uh, uh, I just think they don't spend enough time on Ginny ever for it to be uh, for it to be the case anyway. They spend it with these other characters and that's fine, but like it's just never paid off. I feel like. But let's let's hashtag back to Will. Hashtag back to Will. Chris, what 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 else did you like from this? Um. How about Snake getting bullied? Where was I? At? By where was Harry's I at? dad. Harry's dad being an asshole. <laughs> Uh, that I did not actually see coming. Um, <laughs> yeah, James is a oh, fucking God. asshole. Um, wow. Uh, okay, so um, also the glasses were hand me down. Uh, that's sheer luck. Um, like the whole like <laughs> it's different prescription or whatever. Um, let's see. I wonder if there's like wizard optometry. I don't know, okay. I'll have to ask mom. Um, yeah, that was a surprise. And um, now I know where, like, oh, thanks, movie. Uh, now I know where um, Snape is kind of coming from now. And, um, like, Man, that, like that just whole that just adds like a whole another dimension to things. Like, okay, so Harry's dad 
was a bully. And now what does Harry do with that? Um, and, um, God. Um, I am losing my train of thought. I need to turn the slide off. Um, are you just not, are you just running, uh, like, do you, let me ask you this. Maybe we do need a break. Maybe you do need a break to come back and watch these movies. Maybe we watch Half-Blood Prince, and then we take a break and watch the last two. Or... No, we're too, like close, to the, we're too close to the end. We're too close I, to the end. I gotta be honest, I don't think... If we do Half-Blood Prince, I will gun, I'm gonna want to do Deathly Hallows. I think I'm just getting impatient. Honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I think, think I'm getting impatient. Good. Like, I've sat through, like, two mediocre movies and, like, four, now, five movies of this like kid growing up and everybody's just being vague with him and just like um just like trying to protect him and it's not working and he's frustrated and I'm just like thank you like all your efforts to protect this kid are failing just let him go for god's sake well, look, I I would say to this that in the <sighs> next movie I, I I would say for the next few movies then it if you care about the world at all if you care about like the characters and stuff, like that's where this is mostly gonna go. Like I care about gonna, Harry for sure. We're gonna, well, I, we're gonna be stalling this whole conclusion for at least a couple more movies, man. Like there's some things that are gonna happen, sure, but at the end of the day, this is a battle between him and Voldemort. That's what this is. So it's they kind of put it off for a couple more movies, man. And to be honest, all of the stuff sort of just like goes in one ear and out the other for me. And I care mostly about the battle at Hogwarts at the end. Really, that's how my approach. Watching this now, I think this movie is great. But I remember Half-Blood Prince more than I remember this. And I think this one's better than that. Uh, and I don't like Hollow's one. I think it's just a waste of time. And the second one is a good battle movie. It concludes a lot of things properly, I feel like. But if I mean, you're afraid of stalling, if you're impatient, it's going to stall for a long time. All right. Like... It's just, I would Bert, suggest... Hold on, hold on, of, hold on, hold on, okay, okay, hold on. Okay. We gotta stop cutting each other off. I'm actually legit getting frustrated. Like, stop. Stop cutting each other off. Zach, that especially goes for you. Okay. Stop. Let us finish each other's thoughts. Okay? Can we do that? Yeah. Okay. So... Just, I don't feel like taking a break. We're too close. Like, we're almost there. But, like, seeing Harry going through all this crap where all these adults are just, like, again, they're just being so vague. They're not giving him any answers. They're just being like, you don't need to know. We're trying to protect you. You're just a boy. I was like, he's much older than he looks. Like he's he six, just grew up in an 15. abusive he grew up in an abusive home, which you put him in. No one gives okay. A you put him in that home. Dumb Asseldor. They still don't know how abusive his his family is, I think, really. And then he finds out that that abusive nature apparently runs deep. Um with uh Snape. So of course Snape hates his guts. Um and uh, 
like seriously, what did James go through to become Mary's become the person? Oh man, oh man. Um, next thing you like, okay, we haven't seen this, and I know it's not true, but it would be funny if like we haven't seen James die in any of the flashbacks we've seen in the previous four movies. So like, what if it was? What if it was revealed in like the next movie or something like that, or that um that he just like he saw Voldemort and then he just like he ran away, like a little bitch. That was just like so funny. Robert Carlyle and 28 weeks later. Uh, oh. um, <laughs> uh, I would say, he just ran away, let Lily handle everything. Um, um, <laughs> so um, my, my point isn't necessary. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, my point is not to say I brought up bringing a break because I thought it would be a palate cleanser for you to come back into us. But if you're talking about impatience about that element, then the, the, the thing that you need to understand going into it is like, I think the filmmakers understand that too, or else they wouldn't put that into the film of him legitimately starting an army without Dumbledore. Even like Dumbledore is not talking to him. He's resentful for it. Um, but it, it, in terms of where the storytelling is going to go, it's like you, you just have to be willing to be opened up to the lore. Like how can you make an argument to other people that the casino stuff in Last Jedi or the, um, the stuff with – Ray and Luke and Last Jedi. How can you make an argument for one or the other? Which one is needed over the other? Why why one is important? They're both important for different reasons. Why is all the lore stuff that we're going to get over the next few movies that are kind of stalling this idea about them meeting? Um, that's the important stuff. And I don't know if I care about that as much anymore because I agree with you. I think this movie understands the point that Harry... It needs to be the the forward function of his own narrative, but I, it if it's not a palate cleanser and it's getting to that point and you just want to power through, then that's fine. I get that, but it's about understanding. I I I want you to be able to enjoy these movies and watching each one throughout the week is not how they were intended, but it's how people are doing them nowadays. And I I. I'm interested in your fatigue and why it exists and stuff, but also I want you to be able to look at them as individual films and be like, see the merits to them. But I'm looking at this and I'm like, I think this is the best one. But for you to look at it and be like, ah, it's whatever. It makes me feel sad. It's just just like, we had Goblet of Fire. I was like, it's, oh man, it started with Goblet of Fire. I swear to God. It's just like this. Like, and I remember when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, David Yates directed this. This movie is so desaturated. Like, <laughs> so, oh, wow. like I was like, this movie's like, this movie moves kind of like, I was like, that's another note that I made. Like, David Yates is definitely finding his groove here. Um, like, it's desaturated. Um, the compositions are more akin to his style. Um... And, like, I was watching this, and I'm just, like, nothing's, like, and, like, Harry just being, like, I think where I started, like, I think where I broke, uh, where I ended up, like, this was just, like, when, um, when Sirius died. I was just, like, God damn it, can this kid not get one break? One break. Just one break. (laughs) <laughs> like he can't even get the satisfaction of killing Tim Burton's wife. Okay, 
Like, he can't even do that. And that's more Neville's thing, too. That's the thing. <laughs> well, um, I guess my question would be then if you, it seems like you are emotionally invested, but that you're you're in you're so in the head of the character that you're kind of like, I just kind of want to fucking get over this, too. Like, I, I the serious thing is supposed to be a dramatic thing that pushes conflict, but you're watching it and you're like, oh, can he just get a fucking break here? And I, I, there are times where that can be the thing like that. I won't watch the show Sons of Anarchy because after a while, it's just torture. There are characters literally begging for suicide in a prison for just their lives to end so they don't have to go through the goddamn torture of the writing of that show. So, yes, I do think that it can be, like, manipulative and bad and, and to a certain extent, but I don't think that's the case here. But it seems like I, – I don't know. Like, that seems to be the, the, the thing you're focusing the most on is Harry's journey and how, like, you're getting just as sick of it as he is. <laughs> yeah. But it's also um, about, like, that's why I think it's interesting because these are, again, books written by one person who understands the vision of what's going on. Knows the beginning, middle, end when she's writing these books. And then you have these different filmmakers coming in with different conflicts and different ideas about what this is supposed to be. And then Yates comes in and he gets it so specifically in in like, everyone else is kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, it's just, an, it's just another movie, but, like, I'm impressed at his ability to come in and be like, no, this is what this should be. This is exactly what this should be. But like, I, I think the reason that it feels a little bit whatever is because I, we spent, I think Goblet of Fire is such a, like. It's a letdown. It's such, it's such a jarring shift of where things were supposed to be. Like to go from Azkaban to this would have made more sense. But to go from Azkaban to Goblet to this is like jarring. So, just like I did, my last note was Voldemort the most satisfying death in all of fiction. Um, yeah, kind of. Don't, don't. Um, so, I don't know, just maybe, maybe I'm having a mood swing. Give me a second. But, like, Um, yeah, just, like, I, I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, here for Harry, like, hashtag, um, but, like, just, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it's me getting tired of all the vagueness or if it's, like, Maybe I am too far, and I'm just, like, approaching this from the wrong angle, but just, like, uh, I just don't, I'm, uh, man, we gotta go through two more movies before I'm, this is all, like, uh, I'm not, listen, no, like, even if it's out of spite, I'm not taking a break, um, it's not, it's not out of spite, it would, again, the only reason I would suggest it would be, I want you to be able to enjoy these and not be not rush through them knowing you have fatigue, knowing that there are things about this you like, but you're kind of like, oh, can we just get to it? Because we've been watching this for so many weeks straight and we've been stretching it out for so long. Some people watch these in like a, a weekend and that makes a little bit more sense because they are two and a half hour blocks 
of like storytelling, but you know a lot of the story already. So you're kind of like, can we just get to this thing? I do get that. But like the only reason I would say it would be like to just give yourself a break and then come back and be like, okay, maybe there are things I missed about this that I didn't realize I missed because I took the time away. Like that, that's all I'm saying. Like you let, you have a favorite band, you listen to them and then you're like, I got to take a break. And then you, you get a palate cleanser. That's why saltine crackers exist. You know, you eat a meal and you eat some saltines at cleanse. That's why it's called for palate, palate cleanser. So you can taste new things out of the thing that you were eating already. So uh, like, that's all I would suggest it. But if you're just trying to get to the end to get to the end, like, I, I feel like that in a way you might miss some things that you otherwise might have enjoyed if you were watching this. But also you like you it just seems like you also don't care about this world as much as you do something about Star Wars or like and that's something you care about. It's the same thing with Lincoln Park and we search revenge. You're like, I have a favorite song. I can't find things that sound like this song. And until I do, I'm kind of felt lost. And it's so it's I think it's sort of the same thing. Like people love this world. It interests me how much people love this world. The same way that it interests me how much you love Star Wars. And to just sort of see you look at this and be like the way so many people do Star Wars for you, I'm just like, this is so interesting. But I also think that barreling through one movie a week after a while can kind of be a little trying. Man. Just like, but I don't want to feel this. Like, I, uh, God. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm getting frustrated. This is like, I think we're maybe. Over. Um, <laughs> um, just, I uh, like. I know I was just like, I, I can't even speak anymore. I'm getting like starting to feel. Um, but just like, yeah, I never. I know I when I said I when I came into this, I was like, I never really cared about that. I never really cared about this world, and I was interested to see what it really had to offer. And I'm just like, I like these characters. I like their interactions. Like I enjoy like I enjoy like the arc, but like in terms of like the overall world, like maybe I'm just not getting into this. Like in terms of like the larger world at hand, like I just could not care less. I could I could not care less. Like I'm in with these characters, but this world at large, like the creatures are great, but other than that, like I'm just not interested. It's Chris, just I think it's, oh, I think it's gonna be a problem for you then going yeah. forward. Then I, I Chris, I guess my here I have a question. So are we you. skipping? Are we are we gonna have to take a break? No, I'm just telling I I. I want. No, the, I need you to tell me take, straight. Do like, we need to take no, 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 a break? No. You. This. Here's the thing. Now that we're starting to get where this is, if you just can't get into the world, then then there's no break that's going to offer that. The only thing you can do is go into the next film, understanding that that you're going to go into more world building before we get to more narrative. That's what's going to happen here. We're going to get more. Like, there's a bunch of stuff in the next couple of films that I do not remember that really are about, like, the history of how all of this happened behind the scenes of Harry. And, like, if you care about that, sure. But at the end of the day, for in terms of Harry, it's mostly like, I've got a mission, I've got to complete it. That's that's oh, kind, yeah. and I do think I do think that there are moments in the 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 last two movies 
where they they're where Harry has something to do and there are moments of really good stress and tenseful moments where he's trying to make these things occur, kind of like spy <clears throat> stuff, wartime stuff that I do enjoy. In terms of Harry, like being the like active narrator or being active in his own narrative, continues to get better. But I also think that there's a lot of world stuff we're gonna get. There's a lot of history stuff. So no break if you don't enjoy this world as much is going to help that. But understand that and then come into it and be like, okay, if I'm not going to get into this world then, then understand when you're watching it, like, what is this, what does this movie have to offer me then? If these movies are made for everyone then, then what does it have to offer me? If, you, if I can't enjoy this world, is the character stuff going to get better? If not, then come at it like that. Because that's what we do with these. That's what we do with these episodes, man. Whether the movie is good, bad, or indifferent, we come at it. Sometimes it's for entertaining purposes, but sometimes a movie deserves to be broken down. And if you have the ability, the way I do with Star Wars, which is to not love it as inherently as a world as much as you do, to attack it from a story and a narrative standpoint, I can look at you and be like, Rogue One handles things better as a World War II movie than Rise of Skywalker does as a normal Star Wars film. Like, I can talk about it from those perspectives because I don't care about the fucking world. And I don't care about what this ship is or where this person comes from or why that person is important in the scheme of things because I don't. I care about what this movie is and what it's trying to say. This gives you that window now. You can look at Harry Potter from an outside perspective and be like, I care about these characters, but I don't care about the world. What do, what do these films have to offer me about narrative and about character? And what can they say about character? And to be honest, I do think they get more character driven, but I also think they get more world dumpy too and world buildy. So if you don't care about the world as much, they're going to give you a lot of that. But they are going to give you more character, and luckily you do care about that. By a director who understands the characters better than anyone else. So, you are going to get, I think you're going to get as much as you don't think you're going to get out of these films. Like, you don't get any worse than this. Like, they're never going to get bad again. But they are going to get, like, if you don't care about this world, then you're going to maybe check out every now and then. And yeah. I don't think any palate cleanser or break is going to do that. Just know that when you walk into Half-Blood Prince, you're going to be like, okay, I just don't care about this world as much as I ever thought I would. So let's look at it from a filmmaker's perspective. How would I tell this story different? How would I want to, what do I want from Harry Potter? I'm asking you to look at it like I do, man. That's why, that you know, maybe that's not what you want out of these films. Maybe you should just go in and say, I don't like the world. Let's enjoy a good movie. Maybe you don't need to see it technically, but I don't think any break is going to stop it if you don't love this world. You just don't. I my other thing that I I have a curious question about Chris is, is it possible that the reason you're not really feeling this is because you're not a big fantasy person in general, and that you'd you prefer to be kind of more into sci-fi and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. I. Cause I, cause this fantasy isn't for everyone. I'll I'll be the first to admit that. I'm not a big fantasy fan. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as I'm sure you guys have learned, I'm a huge fantasy fan. I love fantasy. It's, it's I think it's so much fun. I think having larger than life characters and with very bare bones hero's journey stuff going on with like stuff like that is so much fun. But. I that that's always a possible thing why some people just don't don't feel for some for movies like Harry Potter like that's because they're not fantasy people they're they're people who 
much more into sci-fi and much more into you know they they want to inter- they're more interested in stuff like big moral conundrums that some like stuff even like Star Wars has while while stuff like fantasy is much more here's the hero's journey let's go on it you know what i mean in in, ter- in terms of you chris i would say i don't i all i want is for you to be able to to find something good out of something you know you're not going to love what is the good out of this thing so that i may possibly use these elements in my later day life there's so many movies I watched that I'm like, I don't give a shit about this. But then one scene comes up and it blows my mind. And I'm like, that. I'm glad I saw that. I'm glad that exists. And you just have to keep your eyes peeled. But if you don't care about the world, but you care about these characters, what can you get out of that? Like, that's the thing. That's, that's the whole point of why we're doing these things. Is so that you can watch movies and learn from them. Um, and learn from the experience of watching them having a good time. If you're watching this, a movie, you're having a good time and you're not thinking about it technically, that's what sitting here and talking about it is. Why was that such a good time for you? Like, I, I have no problem look, sitting down and thinking about a movie and why the experience was good for me. I don't need to think about its thematics or anything, but why did I enjoy it in that moment? Was I in a good mood that day? Was I in a bad mood? Did I just, was it a sunny day and I watched a sunny movie? Was it a snowy day and I watched a snowy movie? Like, Mood and atmosphere and all that stuff matters. Vibe matters. So us powering through these movies may give you a fatigue in a way that would allow you to possibly miss things that you would otherwise have been more forgiving of if you'd have been able to take the time with them and watch it on your own terms. So that's all. Like, I don't think we need a break if you're never going to love this world. But that doesn't mean you can't love things from these movies. And I would hate for you to miss them because... Um, you feel that way. And the only thing I think that's going to help you get past that is to just know you feel that way. And when you go into the next movie, we don't necessarily need a break unless you're legitimately like, I just want to watch something that has nothing to do with world, like wizards and stuff. It doesn't have to be toys, but just like, I want a break. But that doesn't seem like where you're at. It just seems like you're sort of like, you know, I get it. I, I, they're wizards and stuff, and this guy wants to kill Harry. Can we go? Let's go. I get it. I do. There's a part of me that feels that way too, but like, I'm also taking the time with films that I grew up with. I legit grew up with these movies. So there's a part of me that's like, I never took the time to analyze them. And now that I am, I'm probably never going to do it again. I'm probably, I'm getting everything I could ever need from these movies right now. And I'm probably never going to go back again. If I do now, I know the ones that I'm going to get something out of. It's going to be that if I want to watch a Harry Potter movie that really is about the kid who's sick and tired of being told that everything and wants to go fight, it's going to be this one. If I want to go watch a movie that's going to like actually uh, engage me as a technical achievement, the third one. If I want to watch a film that like hits the nostalgic button in me, the first one, and if I want an ending to this just to get that bug itched, just to like scratch that, the last one. So that's that's. I'm I'm trying to be as analytical as pro- as possible with a world that I didn't love either, but it is like interesting. It is an achievement. These films are achievements, and I do think there's merit to them. But I don't think you know, I don't think a break's gonna do anything for you. I just think you don't love this as much as you do other things. But I would hate for you to n- miss good things that you would otherwise have enjoyed from these 
because of your fatigue. Just know you're being fatigued and, you know, and enjoy the best you can. Mm. Like I said, I'm here for these characters and I'll, I'm going to see it through. I'm just, I'm, that's all there is for me, honestly. And I feel terrible because I wasn't this way for Star Wars. Like we did Star Wars for the very first, like the very first ten episodes. We did Star Wars. I don't want to. I don't want to be like, oh, like I did Star Wars, my favorite thing in the world, and then we're coming up here, and now I need a break. No. Well, I so, don't want you to feel. I don't want you yeah. to feel guilty about talking about the thing that you love on your podcast. What I do want you to feel guilty about. Microphone, hey, Alex, get that dick out of your mouth. What I do? Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes, not okay. the dick. What I, I don't want I got you, Zach. What I don't feel I don't want you to feel guilty about talking about the thing you love on your podcast. What I do want you to feel guilty about is not being entertaining and be bored about the thing you're watching for at least three more movies. That's what I'm afraid of. That like you get to the next movie and you're like, Yeah, it's another Harry Potter movie. Is he gonna fight this guy? What's going on? We're we're a podcast where we're meant to talk about stuff and be entertaining. Like that's the thing that I'm afraid of. That like you're just gonna have nothing to talk about because you just don't care anymore. That's a, that would be bad. Anyway, we're over. So uh And this is the last friends. thing. If if Peter was here, this is the thing. Peter is the one who cherishes and loves this series so much. It's something that he truly grew up with, and he's the Star Wars of this series. And when he comes back, maybe he will put a fuel in your fire and and, and spark you the way that this series has sparked him so badly. Because, again, if you go back and listen, he could talk for hours about this stuff, and he could talk for hours about this world and about Harry. I think his passion hopefully will get you back into it again. He, he, I'm trying to defend it the way that I would, would hope he would want me to. I may not be the best at it because I'm talking about it from my perspective, but he's the guy that I think would have made a strong argument for what he, what love could be found in this from you. Excuse you. I also grew up with this. I just think he's passionate. I think he's passionate in a way that you aren't, man. Like you obviously haven't convinced Chris. I think Peter would have. I don't disagree with that. But I also, like, am very passionate about, like, two or three of these movies. <laughs> That's about uh, it. <laughs> um, I, for That's, me, I'm going to say... I'm going to grade this at a, as an A. I think this is an A for me. Yeah, I would agree with Alex. I think this is an A as well. I think this understands it in ways the other ones haven't yet. And it does it on the first try from a guy who's never really made a feature film as well as this and as big as this. It's it's fluid. The filmmaking does not is not too showy, but also perfect for the world. Every scene gives you something interesting to look at and to care about within the story and the character. Nothing is overdone. Everything is understood properly. This is this is a guy who's worked in television, taking the best things from television and applying them to a one of the most important film series ever and knocking it out of the goddamn park. It's an A. Let me just step back. I think that's what I really need to do. Okay, stuff would stop flying off my freaking death. Um. 
I think I just need to like breathe and take a step back here. Like, just come back to what I, I again, I like these characters. Like, also like Hedwig is the best. Um, uh, heavily yeah, underused. Yeah. Um, so what I do like is like now. Like after Goblet of Fire, like when Goblet of Fire ended, it was real. I said that yes. last time. It's getting real, right? Yeah. So now I have to. Now that I have to talk it out, I'm probably gonna go over. I'm such a hypocrite. Um. So we're just we just understand that we are all figuring this out it was a great structure and it's a great system it has kept us in line man so you know it's been good so like i said last time it was going to get real like and it did um now we're i think i have to like what I'm doing is I'm going back and I'm remembering Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban. We were not really building. We didn't really start building. When did I when did I hit play? I don't remember hitting play. Um, we did not start building to Harry and Voldemort <laughs> until Goblet of Fire. Like that's at the, the end of that movie is where it starts. Yes. Like that's where it starts. So now, with that in mind, I can look back at this and say, okay, like, the, mm. it's continued. Like, this is where it's continuing. Like, now Phase we're two. just building more. Um, and I think Phase that two, goes back to my... Um, I think that goes back to my fundamentals. I, I don't know if I've said this before on the show, but, like, it kind of reminds me of pro wrestling. Um, whereas, like, I will say that, like, pro wrestling taught me the fundamentals of storytelling, like the basic 101s. Um, whereas, good guy, bad guy, put them in a ring and people will pay to see it. Um, and like, you promote, like, you're promoting it, and then you're just trying to write a storyline for it, and like, that's where we're at. We spent the first three movies establishing Harry, and then you know, with Goblet of Fire, now it's getting real. There is a contender now. Um, and now this is a continuation of them building to that final confrontation by teasing. I think that's the word. We're teasing that final confrontation. And... It just keeps building and building, and eventually it's going to hit a crescendo. So watching this movie now, it's like, it's just more build, It's a but it's a story in and of itself with yeah. this stupid woman. Um, <laughs> like, seriously, she is psychotic. Um, she does not, she's not in league with, um, I... I might be wrong, well, but I need, but like, please don't, don't correct anything, me. Like, please don't, don't please, please, please do not cut me off when I'm I just say this, okay? Like, um, 
don't cut me off when I say this, or don't try to correct me when I'm when I'm trying to say this. She's not in league with Voldemort. She's just power hungry, crazy psychopath. Oh man, we're getting to the we're getting to the look at me scene. Oh man, this is so good. Um, no, like you're not you're not incorrect. There, she the minister makes it very clear he does not believe it, that this guy's here and he's sending people to push. I'm talking about her. Yeah, she she's was not after anything. She's just psychotic. Yeah, she yeah, she's a power hungry person who wants order and and like demands order to the point that any sort like she wants so control and is therefore like part of the like the minister wants that sense of control. He's losing it. So he takes someone who wants control. He basically uses the Joker. He takes someone who wants control to an extreme level and throws her in as a desperate choice. But at the same time, she loves order to a sadomasochistic extent. To the point that if other people don't apply to her forms of order, she will hurt them. It's almost I like uh, it's like I I understand where you're coming from with your sense of control. Sometimes, Chris, like we we challenge that sometimes to the point that it pisses you off. This is like the the more extreme extent where like she demands it to the point where it, like it she needs to see it cause people pain. It's mm. really extreme, like. And that, that is why people need – that's the thing about politics is that they are positions of power. Who is attracted to positions of power? People who love to, like, swing it. So, like, she worked for the ministry before she had that position. She was on the jury of, like, Dumbledore and Harry Potter to begin with. She was already there, part of the minister's, uh, minister's cabinet. She was just a tool to be swung by a guy who needed that tool to control power because she loves to control and power. So regardless of whether she joins the dark side or not later, they make it very clear that that's not the point of this movie. Like there, like it, there's no Voldemort in real life, but people like this in, exist in real life. And that's the point of, at least for me, the film is that these are all metaphors for real life. Um, sometimes so much so that Queenie becomes a Nazi. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm adding this last-minute note. Um, Alan Rickman. That's it. Um, yeah, he's great. I think it was at this point where he was like, what the hell am I doing? And then they showed him where his endgame was. I was like, okay, I'm in. So, um, so Anyway, we're running low on time. We're running low on time. Running low on time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, just like, I just wanted that out there. Um, so that all I in mind, mind, that all in mind, um, I did have fun with this. To, yeah. to an extent, but like the occasional like desaturation and it's like it's gonna like this is gonna get this become a thing. Um, I just have to like, accept that um, and just be here for the characters. So with that, I can't give it anything higher or lower. B. Okay. Just like again, solid B. Okay. Like we're just. It's it, we're gonna keep building, yeah. Keep building. I just gotta live with that. It's gonna keep building. So more wrinkles to this, and then it's just gonna yeah. be a giant cinematic, like orgasm. Um, Endo, but that's okay. But uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, there you go, everybody. Order of the Phoenix. Sorry, we'll do better the next time. I'll do better the next time. Um, 
I really want to spin a wheel so bad, but we got three more movies. Um, oh, he so he misses the wheel. I do miss the wheel. We, <laughs> um, so we'll be back next time with uh, Half Blood Prince. No, it's not me. Don't make that joke. It's no, not. I hate to make the joke, Chris. I already, I, I, no, that would make you racist. Um, so, yeah, all right, let's get out of here, guys. We got five minutes, five minutes to three hours. Um, so, see you guys next time. Uh, let's goodbye, guys. Bye bye. Bye. Hashtag release the JK Rowling cut. Ew. Ugh, God, no.